Hello, everyone. Welcome to Weekly Manga Recap, Super Not Spooky at All Edition, not October 12th, 2022. No, nothing spooky is going on. Nothing just, spooky. Just a normal, we're taking a Halloween recommendation, and that's it. No spooky things will happen at all tonight. Yeah. For I, those of you who have nervous uh, compositions. Yes. I don't know why. I'm constitutions. Wearing. I don't know why I said comp- <laughs> composition. Constitution. Compo- Maybe your writing's kind of nervous, too. Your composition. Yeah. <laughs> It's a, little, it's a little scratchy. You're like, oh, I hope someone doesn't find this in a horror video game, like atmospheric uh, design. Um, I had a moment. I, I I do have a moment of, of of terror, Nick, to tell you about. Of terror, not not my terror. Somebody else's terror, though. Um, I was walking through the grocery store, and if you don't know, on the East Coast, I don't know if they have them down in Florida, but there's a chain of grocery stores called like Giant or Martins or Giant Eagle. I think they go by all those names, but it's like one. Okay. It's one like one collective company. And they are known for having this robot. It's called Marty the Robot in all their stores. And it's basically just a long pillar that rolls around the grocery store and like doesn't clean up anything. It just like rolls around but they put googly eyes on it to sure, like make yeah. it friendly because otherwise it's horrifying <laughs> well you just turn a corner and they're like burp, burp. um the, 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 i've seen that in a walmart before but I, th- I think it was actually cleaning something so yeah i think this one can lightly scrub the floors but like one of its right. main purposes is also to like alert if there's a spill and it can't clean that it's just to tell <laughs> like a human like Waters on the floor. Like, this is really just one step to, like, robot master lord status. Um, they start in middle management uh, at grocery stores. But I was I was at the grocery store. And I'm a trans woman walking down the aisle and a robot is passing me. And I saw an old woman who is clearly not from this day and age, who's on one side surrounded by a trans woman on the other side, a robot, and the look on her face, and she's like, this is happening! She's like, just like, just like Glenn Beck said it would! She's like, the future is here, and I'm not ready for it! <laughs> I have to <laughs> And uh, that's the scariest thing of all, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's the true terror. The, the inevitable <laughs> march of progress. <laughs> Ooh, hold on, wait. Ooh. Got it. Okay. okay. All right, now we can talk about manga, Nick. Yes. And I believe that we will begin with uh, the first recommendation that we took for this year's Halloween month. Uh, wonderful, wonderful tradition here at Weekly Manga Recap. That we... I regret more and more every year because the Spookmaster General keeps coming out. Oh, uh, what? <laughs> this shouldn't be a surprise to you. <laughs> I, it, it feels hurtful and targeted. The Spookmaster General was fond of you. Spookmaster oh, that's General, fine. Spookmaster General isn't even wearing their cape. They're coming in with just a hat today. That's true. Also, it was asked. This is a lore question, uh, and I want to address it. Uh, there was a question of what the Spookmaster General's pronouns are. Um, all of them. However, the Spookmaster General also calls them boo nouns. So please respect that. <laughs> if nothing else. 
they don't really they don't seem to mind uh if you ask what their pronouns yes. are but they do get offended if you don't use the word pronoun. again any pronouns fine but you got to call them boo nouns if anything else <laughs> and that's that's you haven't hurt me but i'm, I'm sad that's that's really okay. where it is gotcha anyway the manga that we took as recommendation this time uh, is called Hozuki Island or Hozuki no Shima. This is a series by Keisan Bay that was written before, uh, I believe, the last series that we covered by them, uh, which was the Cradle of Monsters, which we covered is like, I don't know, the third recommendation, maybe? In oh, manga recap, wait, was that... Something like... That's different from Cage of Eden? <sighs> I don't even remember anymore. Cage of Eden. I don't know. I can't remember anymore. Honestly. Uh, what was the name of the marker? Kaysanbei. K-E-I-S-A-N-B-E. Am I, I might be I I might be getting it confused, but I don't know if I am, because there is a particular running trend between these series that uh, that seems like it's not coincidental, so. Hmm. I'm having trouble finding anything that's not a recent series, but you're probably correct. Uh, so the the series was written uh, in like 2007, 2008. Follows a group of kids who are attending this island school uh, that they've all been sent to because uh, they come from troubled family situations. Uh, the protagonist, uh, Kokoro, he and his little sister, Yume, uh, were just, like, abandoned by their mom, uh, and they just have to look out for each other. So, Kokoro's, like, ten, and he's gotta look out for his, like, six-year-old blind sister. Uh, and they get to this island, and they are immediately told by some of the other kids that the adults that are running the school can't be trusted and there's something going on. They, they think that like they're murdering the kids and they've, they've found like all these little hints of something nefarious having gone on, like blood stains uh, in the desk in Kokoro's room, which when the blood right, right after he discovers the blood stains, one of the teachers replaces the desk oh. to cover it up. Maybe. Oh no. Uh, um, and so is there something going on at the island? Is there some sort of conspiracy? Are they killing the kids for insurance money? Is there, are they trying to find gold on this island? Uh, or is one of the teachers just a horrible monster? And the others are just kind of misunderstood <laughs> because the kids are paranoid. Uh, <laughs> it, it is a very interesting horror manga because it is horror told from the perspective of children uh, that almost feels like it's written for children as well, because it's very pro-kid. It's very like adults will lie to you and deceive you and they, they don't trust you. Oh, and it's like that's the one that Cradle of Monsters was. Cradle of Monsters was the shipwreck one. OK. Yeah. Um, and it's like, hey, there's also not a lot of gore in this manga and uh, spoilers. Uh, none of the kids actually die. So you're like, oh, it's like a manga written for kids. But then you get to the end, you're like. Except two people wouldn't have died if these kids weren't fucking idiots. Well, maybe the one teacher would have died because I guess the shithead teacher was always playing to fuck up that thing. And it was kind of an accident. But like the headmaster definitely died because these kids were just like, no, you're monsters. You're going to kill us. Like and also in complete fairness, 
these teachers cannot stop doing things the most insidious ways where they're just like, come back with me, holding like a knife. And internally, they're apparently saying like, please, I must protect you. Come home. Your friends are all actually safe. I'll let you see them. But instead, it's just like, get over here now. Like, there's a moment where one of the kids is cornered by the headmaster of the school. And uh, he's like, you need to come with me or else you may also suffer an accident. Yeah, like <laughs> when in actuality, he's saying, if you don't come over here, it's not safe and you might suffer an accident. I've seen it happen before. But he's like, you will suffer an accident. It's almost like a sketch. Like somebody was like, it's funny. Like these these teachers are actually looking out for the best uh, futures for these kids, but they can't help but do it in the most creepy, villainous ways possible. Yeah, it, it's like, it is oh, a you, bit you like... need to have a bit more vegetables with your meal. You're like, ooh, have your vegetables or you will be dead soon. Like, wait, what? If you don't listen to me, you might suffer a horrible fate. Ill constitution because your colon <laughs> won't be able to handle your horrible shits. And, and that's no fun. You really should, you know, eat your vegetables and you know, listen to me. Listen to your teachers or yeah. you'll die. Uh, and that's really... Spoilers, what's going on is that there is just a misunderstanding going on with the kids. Uh, and things are built up in a way that at times is kind of interesting uh, because uh, each of the children comes from, you know, a, a bad family situation of some sort. A lot of them have these different traumas that they're working through. Uh, based on, you know, that originate from a sense of abandonment or uh, the fact that they were abused by their parents. In one case, was nearly murdered by his mother who was trying to commit murder-suicide. Uh, one of them straight up has been diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and is a compulsive liar uh, who just makes up stories in order to protect his own his own ego, essentially. Uh, and so all this is going on and, you know, it's been laid out, it's, it gets laid out early on. And so it's sort of meant to inject into your mind, like, okay, all these kids are discovering these things that yes, do seem suspicious. And so maybe there is something going on at the Island, but if the kids are, you know, in a lot of cases, you know, suffering from delusions of some sort, then how much of this is really going on and how much of it is in their heads? And Kokoro, the main character, seems to have the mildest case of it of any of them. But he is be—he's just a kid, and he's being led along by these much more charismatic people who do seem to have misconceived what is going on around them. And now they're misleading him, uh, and he just follows their lead because, you know, that's what kids do. They kind of follow the leader. Yes. So that's an interesting setup, potentially. But one of the teachers is just the most straightforward, transparent, horrible monster who literally at any conceivable moment where he is alone with a even slightly sexually mature woman will try to rape them. It is something that happens constantly throughout this series. And it's a problem because uh, clearly it's done in a way that is meant to kind of get that slasher movie. Oh, the, the woman is nude kind of titillation going when it's really just kind of gross and bad. We need to stress, by the way, there's, there's a specific thing in reference to what you said. 
Uh, there's one adult woman in this entire series. Uh, the other two female characters are like, I don't know, maybe like second grade. And then I think fifth grade, but she might be fourth grade. So this is sort of the, the like catch all to this series to really bring up. There's a lot of like weird, like nudity slash like sexual situations that like active children are are involved with in various ways like there's a lot of weird nudity there's a lot of shots that are like just very gross in concept when you're just like this is like a fifth grader why are you doing this so frequently uh and like part of it you're like oh like i feel like the weirdo's defense would just be like oh well it's all to make the bad guy look bad because he wants to do that to a fit that but it's like there's a shot where she like picks out a swimsuit wedgie that doesn't have anything to do with anybody. It's just a weird shot in the story. So that's like a big disclaimer. I feel like I need to like put on front street for this story where like, even though it's, I don't think I'm going to say too much. that's going to make you want to read this. I want that to be very clear. Like there's some weird stuff going on with the kids in this story that should be known. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to walk away from this story like with super negative thoughts, but I would have I would have at the very least said like, oh, it's harmless enough. It's not for the fact that there are just an insurmount insurmountable number of male gaze shots that are clearly sexualizing, like you said, a girl who's maybe 10 uh, and that's being generous uh, and you know, there are also ways to villainize a character than just like, oh, and then he tries to rape a girl uh, in a way that conveniently allows me to draw the the victim of his assault in a way that will help me to, you know, uh, throw in some more, uh, you know, fan service into this series, I mean, which is about children in danger and doesn't need it. To be clear. This guy already kicks a dog later on in the story. It's not like we had to work hard to make this guy detestable, okay? Like, his first real interaction to us as an audience is him attempting to hit on the other fe- the one female teacher in the school, him- her rebuking his advances, and him being a weird creep about it. So, that's all you really need to do to establish this guy was a no bueno fuckface. But the manga really hammers in, like, yes, he is a super creepy dude who just, he doesn't die, and it is almost hysterical, like, how much cartoonish damage he will take throughout this manga and somehow still not die. Because, like, this is a relatively short series. If you don't want to have anything more spoiled for you, I guess stop here and read it. Although, again, I wouldn't recommend it. But, like, in a series that says that most characters live except for two of the teachers... The, the idea that he survives being dropped off a cliff and not like lands in an ocean how, like one of the kids does and then survives fucking lands in like trees, like tree branches, like his arms fucking shattered his back. He, his back has to be broken. There's no way his back is not shattered into fucking fragments and just torn apart. And yet at the end, he still comes up for one last scare of like, I got you. And you're like. I'm sorry. Well, and then he still gets his head like fucking caved in. And then there's like a note that's like, he's serving a prison sentence. And you're like, how did this motherfucker survive this island? Did you catch how long his prison sentence was, too? I don't think I, I barely paid attention to it. It was like 13 years for 
like multiple counts of attempted murder and attempted sexual assault. There's a, oh, well, you know, it's attempted. He didn't successfully kill her or sexually assault anyone. So we'll just, you know, he tried. He fa- We're going to put a loser in jail for life. He tried and failed. Come on, guys. Hasn't he suffered enough? Uh, Dude kicked a dog and lost. I mean, I don't know what to tell you, man. Hasn't he taken enough walks in his life? Uh, there is also a an element of the supernatural that is at work in the story because at various points through the series when one of the kids is in some form of a bind uh this ghostly image of a young girl with pale hair will appear to them and will just kind of like silently point them in the direction they need to go in order to solve their problem like uh in one case uh they're in the woods because they're trying to escape uh, from the island and get away from the adults, but they've run out of food. So one of them goes off desperately trying to scrounge for food and she appears and points to where he can find some fruit that will feed them, uh, that kind of thing. But then they say, okay, we're all just under a collective form of delusion. We've all got it in our heads that there's this ghost here that's helping us when really we're actually helping ourselves and our subconsciouses are collectively imagining this girl who's appearing to help us because and like one of the kids somehow like has a has like a psych degree or something like that because he breaks down like oh well you see super genius that's like his (laughs) special thing is that like he has an iq of 150 he's he's a fucking super smart guy which also, by the way, IQ is bullshit, but also having an IQ of 150 when you're a child means that he's as smart as a 15 year old. Like that doesn't, it's not impressive at all. No, Nick, he's like fucking, he's like fucking Norman and Emma from Promise Night, like super genius. He's so cool. That's essentially how he is portrayed at a lot of points. It's like, he's just like, he's got, he's, he's super ahead of everyone and, and figures everything out. And, but he, he does straightforwardly conclude like, okay, well, describe how this girl looks beyond just like the the small details of like, oh, this kind of ghostly pale haired girl. Then everyone's like, oh, she's wearing this thing. No, she's wearing this thing. And so that, then he concludes like, okay, so see, we are just having, we just have this suggestion that our minds are filling in the gaps when really we're just kind of helping ourselves and stuff. But then after they're, they realize this, the ghost continues to appear to them. And it turns out that uh, the person who did die on the island a long time ago, it wasn't like a murder victim or something. It was someone who suffered from a horrible accident. And that's what founded the school was the insurance payout for it. And that's why all the kids have the insurance policy on them. It's, it's just in case the worst should happen, then everyone else will be looked after uh because of it uh and so the school was like founded in her honor but also they cover up all of the problems that <laughs> that led to her and they just like no we we, we th- th- just stay away from there there's horrible accidents that will happen but we'll just do very poor security measures in order to keep children from going into this abandoned place where the buildings are crumbling and there are a billion places they get locked and trapped inside of places they'll fill up with water and drown you it's fine it'll be fine yeah uh it's just 
it's weird because the series will start off on the mystery and like you get very quickly dropped into the suspense of this series it's like the first chapter is like the kids being like hey dude don't trust the adults here they're all trying to kill us basically and then it like starts them trying to like figure out how to survive in this place and you know mysterious stuff happening uh and then like as the series goes along and again this is not a particularly long series like it was like 27 chapters something like that essentially like three volumes or something like that um like halfway through it's like hey maybe things aren't exactly as they seem and it just kind of like abruptly has to continue with it like everyone just has to continue acting though like i mean this is hey if we get caught by the one teacher she'll definitely kill us even though she has opportunities to talk to the kids and doesn't just say like please like i guess because they're like oh well she's she's going to assume that the kids are evil because they killed somebody so she's she's worried about she's not trusting them and then like very abruptly like three chapters at the end it's like no everything was actually just like completely on the up and up uh, the only real bad all a misunderstanding yeah. and everyone is safe and fine the bad teacher went to jail nobody died except the two teachers <laughs> but nobody died not even the kids that got like taken away that That's they thought had been taken away to be murdered. My favorite fucking part of this series. The reason like all this is happening is because like when this new kid and his little sister show up, the one guy who's supposed to be like a pathological liar is like, hey, we need to let you know a kid that was just here was mysteriously hurt in an accident and disappeared. They absolutely killed him for the insurance money. I totally know that happened. And like they're like it happens again then to that kid and they're like oh no they're killing off these kids and then like at the end like the last chapter or the second to last chapter they get back to the school and the two kids are like hi <laughs> and you're just like I feel like if the the way it should have been shot would have been they show up at like the school and those kids are like at least the liar one should have been like looking super nervous he's like so he's fine I. <laughs> You guys did not do anything, right? Because it turns out, <laughs> turns out Jimmy was actually in the hospital for legit reasons. <laughs> hey, where's all the teachers? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, wow, you guys are scary. <laughs> and then it follows that moment with like a flash forward chapter where like the kids are now all grown up. And they're like going back to the school, and it's like all the memories. And the have... fat kid's even fatter. I have a problem with that. I want to get to in a second. But like they get back to the school, and all of the kids are just like, "Yeah, remember all the memories we have here?" And like I keep looking over to the one kid, like, "I don't know you. You weren't there for these adventures." What are you talking about? I was there in the flashbacks you had along the way. <laughs> but then it turns out he's the one for a lot of the mysterious things. Go like, there's so many like weird things they have to explain like i've heard singing in the island like oh it turns out it's the girl who's mute has been kind of unconsciously singing when she's been all yeah. alone and they're like well there's a room with all these bloody messages in it. like no it's this kid who basically needed medicine that just kind of went off it and you know started freaking out in this room and it was like again the, the adults are actually trying to be responsible about it. it's all very silly yes yes um and you're just like, sure, I guess. Like, it's, it's very, like, retroactive. Like, not retroactive. I'm sure all of it was plain, but it just feels, like, very retroactive. Like, and then this hat, like, this was something we set up to be scary, but it's not. Um, but the the fat kid, whose name I don't remember. Unfortunately, I don't remember any character's name in this series. But every character. 
Fudoshi, I think. Fudoshi sounds about right. But every character is sort of defined by one thing. Like, smart guy, blind girl, mute girl, fat kid, liar guy, other right. dude, main character guy. Who, I guess, bug guy. I don't know. Uh, his whole thing is, like, he experienced a lot of trauma as a child, and eating became his coping mechanism. So mm-hmm. he just eats all the time. And it's it's like an active compulsion and like addiction. Like it's like a little thing that if someone tries to take the food from him, he'll actually start to have like a panic attack and like scream and stuff like that, which street is a weird joke, but whatever. Um, I shouldn't say whatever. Not cool. But there's like the whole thing is a lot about these kids kind of overcoming their 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 trauma, essentially. And there's a scene where he's alone with the main character's little sister and uh, he sees one of the teachers coming and he has this big backpack full of food that everyone's made fun of him for. And he leaves the backpack behind. He takes a little sister instead because he's like he's 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 felt so bad about himself. He feels like he's this weight on the team and everything like that. And he prioritizes the life of someone else over this food and everything like that. And it's supposed to be like this very powerful moment because he, he did save this girl. He doesn't go back for the food. And they, they note later, like, thank God you didn't because someone was watching it. If you would come back like. You would have you would have gotten caught. Although we would have found out later, I guess that wouldn't probably have been that bad of a thing. It actually might have saved someone's life. Who knows? Anyway, yeah, good job <laughs> fucking up. <laughs> but like, hey, he, he's he's overcome his trauma and everything like that, and he, he still has an issue with like he needs to eat, but he's like going out and foraging. It's not an all time thing, and you're like, all right, clearly this is meant to be like maybe like a step for recovery and all these things. And then, like, they do the flash forward, and he's still, like, just an overweight character, and they just comment on his weight a lot. And I'm like, well, that, look, I'm not saying he does that, he has to lose the weight, like, but it, it doesn't feel like he has any ownership. Everyone's, and everyone's really dismissive of, of it, too. They're really joking about it. It's like, oh, because they're making a joke, like, oh, man, the place seems so much smaller. You know, the ceilings are so much lower than I remember. It's like, oh, it's because you guys got. It's because we all got taller. Oh man, the hallways seem so much narrower. It's because you got so much fatter, Fidoshi. Ha 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 ha! It, it well, fe- you fuck off. <laughs> it feels like he got no ownership of it or anything like that. That like what happened is I don't know. It's just like a weird, stupid thing that's annoying. Um, but it is there. So fun times. Uh, yeah. And I don't know if there's much more we can milk out of this there's discussion. Uh, there's a dog. I don't understand the dog. There was like a dog that like cosmically got attacked in like a particular way that makes it aggressive towards some people, but not aggressive towards if others. They carry sticks. Yeah, if and they I carry sticks. I think the dog was responsible for killing the old man accidentally. I can't tell. I thought they said the dog might have been there. It was very hard to tell what happens in that scene because, like, the ghost tells the smart kid to put down the stick, and he does. And then the dog attacks the old man because he had a stick. I thought I, I might have been misremembering that entire scene, but I think the dog is the true killer of this story, and I want that to be understood. Uh, so there is the ghost that helps them, and also a ghost that kills them. Yeah. Oh no. Oh no. Um, I would say yeah. just to wrap this discussion up. If you are looking for a short horror series, you should not read this one. <laughs> it is it is a short horror series. I just don't think this is particularly good. I, I, I don't find it particularly scary. As I said, it's got a lot of uncomfortable themes that I just don't think... Like I feel like if you're listening to this podcast at this point in time, you've reached a point where you also probably agree with us. You're like, yeah, I'd really prefer less like naked children in my media that I consume, please. That doesn't seem like it should be an unreasonable ask. Uh, and, and this series, unfortunately, has a lot of issues with that. So um, and even if I were to strip that all away and be like, hey, 
what is it like beyond that? I'd be like, it's still not good. Like, this is not like a compelling story. It's maybe harmless, but yeah, I, I think the fact that there's there's a lot of detracting factors enough for me to be like, just just skip this. There's there's better ways to experience like horrific stories in a short amount of time. Yeah. If it were uh, free of those gross elements, I would say it's like a kind of poor man's uh, early promise Neverland, which, you know, is like, okay, kids can't trust adults that are looking after them. They've got to find a way to escape. There is some mysterious stuff going on. There's a sense of paranoia. It's not as tightly written as that part of the promise Neverland. The characters are less compelling. The art's not as good. Uh, you know, it's it's, you know, like kind of like a notch below in basically every single category that you could note, except it doesn't overstay its welcome. That's the one positive <laughs> thing I can say for it is that this series is exactly the right length. It gets in <laughs> and out. Um, but I, I yeah, for the for the reasons that we have been over pretty exhaustively, I can't recommend it. Um, so that that's going to be it for me. All right. Let's start talking about. A good series, a good manga, Nick. Uh, okay, I, I I don't really care too much for this chapter of My Hero, though. Uh, so <laughs> uh, it's My Hero Academia number three hundred sixty nine, a chain of events across the ages. Uh, so things start off with a flashback to when All for One was dealing with uh, one of the holders of One for All, who had a quirk. They could uh, manipulate the momentum of small objects, but now they, it only work. But now it works on stuff beyond that, and 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 all for one is pissed about that because that kind of ability was 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 not supposed to be so powerful. It's not supposed to be this strong like it is now. And now Deku is using Gear Shift to kick his ass when before Gear Shift could only like stop bullets. Oh man, what a worthless ability! Stopping bullets. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> Um, and most of the chapter is just Deku kicks ass. Like yes. that's, that, that's just like the entire chapter. He utilizes his different combinations of quirks from the different wielders using them in, uh, all in a long chain of abilities. There's some cool art of him just smash, 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 smashing, uh, while Shigaraki all for one gets more and more pissed. But Nick, uh, don't you mean Shivaraki. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. Oh. I was trying to guess what you were going to say, and I didn't guess right. So there you know. go. Boom. Yeah, you can't, you yeah, can't yeah. never know where I'm coming from. Remember, the Spookmaster General's powers get stronger the closer we get to Halloween. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Until usually they cosmically go backwards in the last week when I've run out of good material. <laughs> And there's this, there's, yeah, there's a lot of ass kicking. There's a cool image that looks like it could have been the cover of a chapter of Deku charging forward while all the different former wielders are all framed behind him. It's like a big uh, explanation, too, about how he's using basically all of their powers in, in sync to, to do this super awesome cool mega attack. Right. And how one for all is also making all of them more powerful as well. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he charges in and he says, Hey, all for one, you don't get to hurt anyone else. And he launches forward in this massive attack that sends literally body parts everywhere as the fingers surrounding Shigaraki's body go flying off and are broken apart. And he's basically just this one armed 
caved-in chest guy falling through the air. Mm. Uh, and also, they're resonating together. The quirks are resonating with each other, and the original One for All can see his brother within the body of Shigaraki, and so now they get... Now Deku has his opening. Can he can he seize this chance to 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 save the day and and save Shigaraki from within himself? Not if all for one can be pissed off about something. Uh, and he's like, oh, I'm not done yet. This whole sequence of events has led to this moment, and a bunch of starry shimmers come up out of his body. As Aizawa was like, what is there another trick? And Shigaraki all for one thinks, not yet. Indeed, Yoichi, the entire chain of events up to now will inevitably spell out victory or defeat for all. Victory is still within my grasp. And we cut over to Spinner. Spinner looking as... really intense, like not mm-hmm. like Spinner usually does. No, he needs to calm down and play some games. I wish he does. I don't feel like things are going to work out for Spinner. I worry about him. Yeah, I can understand that. League of Villains has like had some people keep on dropping off and dying, so yeah, that 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 yeah, that could happen. I think the chapter was cool. Like I I, I do love Deku just smashing face, quite literally, just fucking going to town. It's again one of those moments. I guess I'm, I'm I've become very like exhausted of my hero. That anytime anyone does any like any hero does anything remotely, I'm like ah yes, the conclusion. I like this. <laughs> Knowing full well there's no way this is the end of it, but this was a chapter which I was uh-huh. like, You weren't expecting another false finish. <laughs> this was a chapter where I was like, ah, yes. All wrapped up in a very satisfying conclusion. Good job, Deku. And then you're like, no, there's no narrative no, way no, no, no. that we're done yet. But still, there was a small part of me that liked to hope. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's about it. It was kind of fun to read. It was nice to see Deku kicking ass. Mm-hmm. That's it, though. I don't really have a lot to discuss beyond that. Yes. Uh, let's talk about Undead Unluck, though, Nick. This is number 130. Mm. It's for your own good. So last time we left off... What, reading it? Reading this? Is that... Oh, oh the chapter title. Okay. okay. Well, this is, this is actually... Uh, the CDC, I believe, actually came out and said that this actually does count as vitamins. So if you read Undead Unluck... <laughs> yeah, you don't need to... You don't need potassium anymore. If you were that kid in fucking uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, he starts having like a panic attack, or the I Shrunk the Parents or whatever, he starts having that panic attack or whatever, he needs fucking bananas because that's the only thing that had potassium in it. That's how I learned bananas had potassium. Uh, you don't actually need to anymore. You just show them Undead on Luck. Oh my god, you just made a big reference to the third movie in the series. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be the only one I've ever seen too. I know I saw it in school and that's the only thing I remember is like the parents are all shrunk, so like they can't tell it, but they're like, "What?" They mentioned it earlier in the movie, like bananas yeah. have a lot of potassium. Schrodinger's fruit. <laughs> Schrodinger's banana. <laughs> That's not even the term. It's uh, it's uh, uh what's the? What's oh, the uh, Chekhov's banana. Chekhov's banana. <laughs> the banana both does and does not exist. <laughs> <laughs> Until there is a plot point that requires that a kid needs potassium. Schrodinger's Chekhov's banana. There you go. I love it. Uh, damn, if only there wasn't already an episode title. Um, so last time, Juez has taken it upon herself to feed 400 billion years worth of, of pain into Rebellion. 
and is using it to stall and fight against uh, Sun. So we we see Victor kind of watching this happen, and he goes into a flashback of like when Juez was a member of the council. And I love that Victor at the time had like a cooking apron, like a barbecue apron on that says undead X unjustice on it, which is just in case you had any doubts about the nature of their relationship. (laughs) (laughs) They had personalized couples aprons. Uh, I just also I'm like, why was he wearing it then? It's a very because this is clearly supposed to be like a battle was about to happen because Juez is wearing this like huge giant armor and she's like what is all this he's like it's armor i made for you she's like yeah but i can't move and he's like that's fine you don't have to do any of that since i'm undead i'll just go out there and do it you just hang back here and give orders basically leave the combat to me and there's actually like a pretty funny scene of Juez being like being told like it's for your own good and Juez just fucking shoots all of it off and he's just like hey what the fuck if you die it's over and she's just like yeah, to be that as it's me, I'm done having you protect me all the time. I want to fight with you. Uh, and yeah, with the uh, with the short hair and the expression, Juiz actually kind of looks a lot like uh, Foucault in that moment. Yes. So nice, nice little parallel. Uh, but she is holding a helmet that she was wearing at that time. And Victor does like as the flashback ends, he's like, oh, at least wear the helmet. And she's like, OK, OK. So there we go, Nick. Uh, a backstory for why a character wore a particular piece of clothing. Not since. The Marvel Cinematic Universe made an entire movie to explain why Black Widow had a vest on during Infinity War has a, a piece of clothing had such a compelling backstory. I didn't even remember she was wearing a vest during Infinity War. So. <laughs> it was one of those things where, like, at the end of it, Florence Pugh's character hands her the vest. is like, here, you wear this. And you're just like... I guess she did wear a vest in Infinity War. <laughs> and then something, like, falls out of the pocket. It's like, what's this? Oh, it's this weird pair of golden dice. (laughs) (laughs) Just every Disney-related franchise that needs, like, a piece of lore added to it. Uh, So Juez is just kicking ass right now. Like, her strike actually manages to push back God itself. It's fucking phenomenal. And Creed is now firing this cannon over and over again. It's like, oh, we'll find out why in a little bit. Nick, you won't guess why. Uh, we get more of the flashback and it's sort of like further along in this adventure as Juez is like cradling presumably dead allies of theirs and he's just like none of you fucking get this why can't you just let me handle everything you guys die okay like please just let me handle this all you'd have to do is support me You're like we don't need allies the more people you add is just the more people you have to protect and the more people you have inevitably are going to lose and Juez just like no everyone's help is necessary and he's like yeah but those people are part of the reason you almost died out there and she says look the mission is no longer ours alone we can't defeat god without everyone's help and one day when we amass a party you approve of that is when you will and we we cut to the present as she finishes that and she shouts cover me victor and he says yeah and he uses shield to block an energy blast and you know, we get some some cool action. We find out that Creed is firing the cannon over and over again without it overheating because Phil is using his unfeeled abilities on it. And this is far and away the most characterization this character has gotten is that we know his power can like numb things that would like feel things basically. 
Um, I mean, he doesn't ever fucking talk, so yeah. <laughs> it is kind of a cool ability. I do like how they use it there, but they're using all these things. Uh, three minutes have basically passed, and Juez is just like, Victor isn't amazing. I pulled together some really amazing allies, and you know, Victor is thinking like, Juez, it's for your own, he's thinking this, like, it's for your own good that you die and that you just forget about me so that you could finally live happily, all the sort of this motivation he's had all this time. And Juez is like, all right, three more minutes. I can hold out just a little bit longer if you give me the chance. In the next loop, you and I could once again, and her mask shatters off and she just falls to the ground, lets go of the sword and Victor's just staring as she hits the ground. Everyone's like, what the fuck? And Victor's just caught in his thought of like, you'll forget everything. You live a lifetime of happiness. It's for your own good that you die, essentially. Uh, Foucault's watching us crying and screaming. And Victor, cradling Juez's dead body, just says, it was supposed to be for your own good. So what is this feeling of sadness and rage? That last image of him is fucking scary as shit. It definitely is. It's 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 very well done. All the shadows covering his face, the the, the lines on uh, like his neck and stuff, very very intense. I will say this is one of the few times I guess where digital has a hang a hang up because I, I don't know the exact ordering, but I assume you're meant to see the full page of Juez crying. And then turn the page to that rage. And I feel that would be a more satisfying way of experiencing that. Because every time I read this, I keep thinking it's supposed to be a two-page spread. And you're like, no, it's two one-page spreads next to each other, basically. Uh, but it's still a very cool moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's a very cool chapter. Uh, I, this is a nice, you know, I'm going to say end because we know that it's not the end because they're literally going into another time loop where everyone's going to come back to life. It's a nice end for Juiz, um, who, you know, gets to go out on her own terms. Um, it's sad, but, you know, she does, some, she does something that she's accomplishing uh, that she's wanted to do for a long time. And this is, you know, like, it's... I guess in a way, like, it's the end of the character who's been fighting this battle the yeah. longest. This is... 450 billion years essentially worth of a mission finally coming to an end it's it's fuku's mission now but this is her story that you as will see will be a different character yeah but quinn a few minutes ago did i hear you say three minutes oh no <laughs> that's what that's a three minutes show up and beat me up like oh no i thought both of you were dead <laughs> halloween we can do whatever you want <laughs> shot somehow against all odds eric bischoff's the the surviving member of that unit god <laughs> that's, that's this really is just sad. a really stress that like god is unfair and cruel <laughs> just like undead unluck says yeah pretty much yeah all right uh then we're going to move on from there to Chainsaw Man, yes? Mm-hmm. So last time in Chainsaw Man, while well, well, you and Austin were covering while I was uh, not available, uh-oh, Yuko's the new host of the Justice Devil. <laughs> well, that's not good. <laughs> Don't worry, Nick. She says she's going to show up to the school and make all the bullies stop, so she's just going to talk to them and stuff, right? Just just talk to them nicely. She, said, she just told her, Don't show up at school tomorrow. That means everything's going to be cool, right? Yeah, she doesn't want, you know, them to 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 be bullying also yeah. while she's trying to talk to them, obviously. Uh also a detail that's just to like 
reiterate the point because it's not really going to come up naturally throughout the rest of this chapter is that your <laughs> thinks that Denji is Chainsaw Man because he said he was. It, they're right. <laughs> they're right for the stupidest reason. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, Asa has just learned that, oh, shit, Yuko's going to go and kill a bunch of people at the school with the power of the Justice Devil. She's walking away from but the Nick, home. Don't mm-hmm. you mean Ghoul Co? Wouldn't that have worked better with just Buko than Ghoul Co? Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt. <laughs> well, I can't argue with that. Okay, good point. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Asa is feeling depressed about this because she's like, this is like all my fault, isn't it? Because, you know, the contract with the devil is because of me. And you are <laughs> such a great partner. You just says, yeah, she said that. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, uh, Asa, of course, is like, she's kind of in denial over like, how do you think she's going to go about getting rid of my bullying problem? Like she said she was going to. And you says, well... She wanted you to stay away from school, so I think you already know. Yeah, I, I, I do love how the ghost has to be like, hey, man, don't you know these memes? Like, she told, she she shot you the, hey, don't come into work tomorrow fucking text. Like, come on. I, don't, I shouldn't have to explain this to you, right? Yeah. Uh, so, Asa's like, well, I've got to stop her then if she's going to do that. And, Nor- and yours says, well, how are you going to do that? Well, I'm going to go and talk her out of it. Go back and talk her out of it. How are you gonna do that when your body belongs to me? Ah, oh, that asshole! She took she took over Asa's body while she wasn't paying attention and is stopping her from from doing a a nice thing. And yeah, she says like, "Look, no, you're not gonna stop anything. Uh, Yuko's gonna go and kill people, and then we're gonna kill her at school tomorrow because our goal is to defeat Chainsaw Man, and he might show up if we fight Yuko's Devil Transformation. And even if he doesn't, we'll get into the Devil Hunter Club by killing the fucking devil that's made up a contract with Yuko. Also, sidebar, they'll get a, a cool weapon because Yuko is like the closest person to the world to Asa right now. Mm. But uh, it would be a pretty sweet weapon. Yeah, they don't. They don't. Uh, Go for that. That'd point. be great if the war devil's just the horseshit and like they do it and like she's just like aside the most powerful weapon in all the land. You're like, that's what I get. Aside, I could have bought aside. What are you talking about? <laughs> Pretty sure see, these are like some of the easier ninja weapons you could buy. <laughs> yeah, I stab him. I get it. <laughs> uh, there is a um spooky scene of Yuko burning some stuff in her yard maybe it's bodies i don't know i can't tell it's it's all on fire uh but uh she promises that she's gonna save asa by killing all the bad guys just like chainsaw man would but uh she sets off for school she's still limping because her leg is still messed up uh and making a contract with the devil doesn't fix that right away i guess uh and uh yeah she goes to school and she just you know like says hi to a few people as she's on her way uh, and on her way to class, she's going down the hallway, and Yoru stops her. And she's got a, I guess it's just a straight-up katana. Um, it might be a wooden sword, but it looks like it's just a fucking katana, which is like, oh, good job getting one of those. I don't know where you just just plain just get a katana. 
Um, and uh, so Yuko very quickly is like, oh, yeah, yeah, I get, I get, yeah, I get why you're hunting me. Um, and there is a very weird touch that happens as there's a shot on the next page that starts from outside of the school building looking through the window at Yuko, and then it gradually zooms into her as she's speaking and like laying out the situation. But the first panel, the word bubbles are covered up by the windows. It's an interesting choice. And I guess it just kind of like, I guess it's just to like pin home, like you're zooming in on her, but it's like, mm-hmm. okay, it's, it's, it, it, it just like caught me off guard when I first read it and I wanted to bring it up. But, uh, Yuko brings to the point of like, hey, Chainsaw Man doesn't, you know, stop bullying. He just kills devils. So, look, we'll fight later after I kill the bullies. But Yora doesn't buy this. She says, you're just going to run away as soon as you kill your targets because, you know, the devil hunter is going to show up if you take too long. So uh, if you want to get me out, get out, get me out of the way, you've got to beat me and kill me, even though that kill Asa, too. And Yuko hesitates for a moment. And she says, I mean, I like Asa but I hate you. And she transforms the windows shatter around her and she takes on the form of the justice devil. Uh, and, uh, she looks like a freaking alien now. So she, she unfortunately looks very similar to the antagonist. We're currently dealing with the Kaiju number eight as well. Like they're both like mm, feminine yeah. brain monster lady things. <laughs> uh, True that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think, uh, it's pretty cool still. Um, yeah, I have no idea how to process like Chainsaw Man chapters most of the time because I've had like the dramatic whiplash of like, thank God Yuko's okay to be like, someone needs to stop Yuko. <laughs> and, like, Pretty much. <laughs> I don't know where my head's at right now. It's going to be a shorter break between chapters this time. We'll have one next week, uh, apparently. Wacky. So, yeah. Well, Nick, you want to know another series we never miss a week on? Eden Zero, that's right. Chapter 211 Tragedy. Everyone loves this series, Nick. It's her favorite. Uh, we get a cover page. It's like just a normal-ass cover page. Except for Happy kind of staring directly into the camera, which is a little nerving. But like, <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, it's like a normal-ass like picture that like is fine for a cover page. Good, good Gotta go you. check on Hero and be like, why haven't you put any of the female characters in some sort of bizarre fetishy pose? Like, it's, wrong, like it's weird. Rebecca is there, and she's wearing like normal clothes for the situation. Like, she's not in like a cowgirl bikini or something like that. You're like, what's happening? Why isn't like, oh, they're playing video games and every time Rebecca loses, she has to take off clothing or something like that. She's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> she can just live through life without being sexualized. How crazy. Uh, <laughs> I say that and we cut to Urza in her underwear. Who's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> sort of staring over the massacre of a scene that she sees before him, which I didn't realize like the end of the last like chapter that had this scene was supposed to have apparently like Benny Hill music playing on it, as we'll find out in just a moment. And it's kind of awesome. Uh, we cut to 10 minutes earlier. Urza's trying to escape. She's, she's like, ah, I can't get out of these fucking handcuffs. And then Jesse shows up and he's being kind of creepy. He's like, what a nice view, princess. And she's like, Jesse. And he's like, yeah, Justice told me to keep an eye on you. And he like kicks her in the head. And he's like, but he never said not to kill you. And he just starts hitting her. He's like, I want to see you suffer. I want to I want to be a hero villain. So I just want to I want you to be miserable and sad and begging for your life, essentially. And he's essentially just like, look, 
I don't pretend you're worried about me or any shit like that. And she's like, no, I mean, justice saved me. I want to return the favor. And Loki's like, ah, fuck you. Justice wasn't saving you. He was only getting you ready so that he could watch all this stuff happen. And we're all really looking forward to, like, watching this happen. And she's like, why, why are you doing this? I treated you like family. I completely forgot Jesse was ever a part of her crew. I guess he was, like, the underground or the undercover agent. But he's just like, me, part of your family? Nah, let me tell you about my parents. Basically, your family sent them to war over all the shit that you did, basically, because we found out that Lendard had kind of, like, a brutal war past, essentially. So, she's like, yeah, a civil war that started when the little stupid princess had to go and betray her family. And she's like, ah, I see. And he's like, oh, don't look so bad. I'm going to show you something fun. We cut over to the two guys that work with Urza's crew. I know they mentioned their names in a couple seconds. I'm not going to learn them on the principle of it. They show up. You won't ever need to know them again. Yeah. Let's be real. <laughs> they like walk through a door and hers is like, no, don't do it. And like, it's, it's very funny to me in the space series that basically the dude just hung like a neck height string up and the one dude just walks through it and basically like fucking slits his own throat and dies. And then Jesse pops up behind the other dude and shoots him in the head. And that guy with his last magic forms like an ice crystal and then shoots it through Jesse. And all three of these dudes died in like a second. <laughs> and that's the scene that Urza has stumbled upon at the end of the last chapter. And like, again, and then she goes, <laughs> I'm free. <laughs> She's like, enough of this. Ha huh? Oh, man, Elsie, you got free just in time to make a difference. <laughs> and I would like now. I mean, I guess there's there's still the potential. He could still be alive. But I really do love the idea that Jesse died before he could resolve the plot line of more like we touch upon oh, it. Quinn, Quinn, what are you talking about? That still has consequences. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Uh, so Urza is watching, uh, all of her dead friends, basically, and Jesse, and she just keeps thinking, all my friends, all my family, they all keep going away, you know, thinks back to her mother and father, and she's like, why is it that death follows me everywhere? Am I cursed? We also get more, uh, backstory on her crew than we've ever gotten before, because one of them goes, I used to be a firefighter, but stuff happened, and, well. I think we knew that before. I think we knew he <laughs> Oh, was never mind. <laughs> I think the one detail we knew about that guy that looks kind of like Gray was that he was a firefighter, and I feel like the other guy was, like, a policeman or something. Like, they both had, like, jobs in, like, the light speed rescue adjacent fucking... <laughs> professions he was a lifeguard or whatever other fucking professions as guys uh, that's why Elsie's ship looks like a train megazord <laughs> um so we cut over to rebecca who's talking to homura who's like look i dropped off all the the mom tubes but i can't get back to you guys <laughs> like there's, there's too many dragons right now um so uh, i'm gonna be distracted with that she goes, she's fighting some dragons. Boom, Justice shows up. He's like, I'm going to fight you, Acnoelia. 
And Hamora's like, hey, I recognize you. We were allies. My name's Hamora. I will assist you. And Justice is like, Hamora, he remembers Jesse's lie. And he's like, oh, no, I can't. And like, we don't know what happens there. He just says, Hamora. And she's like, we must stop the dragons. And we cut over to Urza. And it's then scintillating dialogue. Yeah. Just amazing dialogue. We cut over to Rebecca. And she's like, I don't know why, but I have a really bad feeling about all this. I hope this won't be another of like the seven fake outs this arc has had really uh and then end the chapter with hermit like basically kicking down a door i don't she didn't but the way her face is drawn in the last panel is so much more aggressive than we've ever seen her before so in my mind she was like doors are too slow and she just ripped her way straight through it like she is she is fucking cooking on like four monsters right now and she's like i need elsie's medical records from 18 years ago i need to see them right now so we're gonna presume we get something about elsie uh, probably not that she's the super evil bad guy that from all this, but maybe she's also been manipulated by it or, or something along those lines. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, the way that that uh, scene unfolded was about as dumb as we predicted last week when we got that scene that Elsie had stumbled across. So yeah. it, it's just, it's very funny to me. Like, <laughs> I don't know, like, for all the future stuff they had, dude walked into a string and was just like, and <laughs> just died. <laughs> like, Why doesn't everyone just do that? It's clearly, like, the most effective means of dealing with your enemies. It's, as we just saw, more reliable than guns. Like... <laughs> well, like, also... Actually, what? come to think of it, Jesse, why are you using fucking bullets? Just use that laser beam thing that cuts people's heads off. It's super... Th that The guy whose head got chopped up didn't have a chance to turn around and blast you with ice the way the guy with a hole in his head did. So just use those laser things for everything. Yeah. Uh, You're dead now. You can't take this advice. I, I will take... There's one note uh, for I Am A Gentleman brought up that it might have been a laser tripwire, which I guess makes more sense question i guess it explains how like they actually walked in with enough momentum to strength to like slice their own throat because like it was something being actually fired as opposed to like walking into razor wire which i assume you would have touched on your like unless you like ran full force into it or something like that um oh i assumed it was a laser yes yeah I was thinking it was just a straight up wire and I was like, yo, how funny would it have been if the other guy had walked through the door first and was like, hey, I think there's something above me. And Jesse's like, damn, fuck, 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 fuck. And he just starts, he just starts blowing people up because that's Jesse's MO. Something mildly goes wrong. He's just like, ah, ah. he just starts, he just, he's dating me and we just start blasting. <laughs> uh, he fails to kill either of them and he's just like, ah, Homer tried to seduce and kill both of you. <laughs> Um, the other one is Skavoto brought up that Herman's the hacker. Like, couldn't they just gotten up the medical records? Unless this implies, no. <laughs> unless this implies that sister keeps paper medical records for everybody. And I do like that idea. Like, I think the reason is probably like I need authorization or something for your authorization or some shit. But I do like the idea of like oh, the one filing cabinet in Eden Zero, and she's just like, or Elsie, Elsie. That's why she takes so long. She's like, Urza. Like, no, different characters. <laughs> and it's like, it's still taking like an hour and a half. Like, how many fucking people's records do you have on this ship? Oh, that's also all the people I've sexually tortured. God damn it. We'll be here forever. Ah. <laughs> all right. 
Uh, Akane Banashi time. Chapter 33, A Place of Learning. So Akane has begun her duties and her Zenza training at a Joseki, a massive entertainment hall in the city. And uh, we get uh, it's this uh, establishing uh, stuff saying it's like there's all sorts of different performances that take place in the theater. It's not just Rakugo. There's Manzai. There's paper theater. All sorts of different uh, arts get put on display on the stage here. They're all different kinds of people. Uh, and we get the close of this narration is it is both the home turf of Rakugoka and a place of learning. And uh, Akane is backstage. Uh, she's getting stuff set up so that she can uh, tend to the needs of the performers who all of them here are Shinuchi. Well, well above her in rank. What, Nick? Don't you mean Shinbuchi? Yes, yes, General. Thank you for that. Oh! Thunderclap, thunderclap. Discord really doesn't like you moaning like that. It keeps on cutting it out for me. Uh, so, you know, Akane is trying to stop from being a little, you know, kind of starstruck because she, like, she recognizes some of the performers, like, from TV and stuff. Uh, and as she's looking around, she also sees just, like, this really big guy come through the door. He's got this very flamboyant shirt and incredibly angular face. I, I, I don't know how to emphasize this guy doesn't really so much have a chin as just his head stops being drawn at a certain point and become and becomes flat. Uh, but, uh, you know, she's like getting distracted by like, there's just all these people around here. And Asagao, the head Zensa, kind of gets in her case and says like, hey, you know, you gotta stop gawking at everyone who comes through here. The masters come and go on a regular basis uh, and you just gotta get used to it and just do your job. Uh, come on, next act's ending. Get out there, go flip the cushion, go. But uh, as Akane is heading out, the next performer to that is going to go on says, could you place the cushion 80 centimeters from the mic? And Akane says, okay. And uh, she goes out and she's thinking to herself as she's doing her job, like, yeah, I'm not just working here as a regular employee. I've got to learn each master's little rules. And she's catching on to this stuff really quickly. She is, you know, she's paying attention to the different stuff that all of the uh, different performers like to do. Uh, she's doing Kibataraki. Uh, you know, she gets the different performers drinks right and stuff. But every time she takes even just a small moment to kind of like pat herself on the back, Asagao's there and is like, keep working. You got more to do. Uh, and, you know, she's clear. She's clearly run around like she's getting things are getting a bit more hectic as it gets busier and busier. And Asagao never really lets up on her, constantly pushing her to work. Um, and, uh, you know, finally, like the, the daytime shift comes to a close. Akane is exhausted. Her hair is getting kind of unkempt, but she's made it. She's she made it through. OK. Uh, and she's saying to herself like, oh, thank God, Kyojiani-san prepared me for this stuff because I would have been in really big trouble otherwise. Then Asagao comes over to her and says, you really don't mess up a whole lot, do you? And Akane is like, what, what, are, you, what are you talking about? I like, I'm complimenting you, you idiot. I've been watching you to see if you'd screw up and you didn't have any big disasters. So it's been a damn good day, first day for you, all things considered. And uh, Akane says like, oh, yeah, yeah, my Ani son prepared me. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry I took an attitude with you. But you know, I got to admit, I thought a bit too highly of you. 
I fucking and... love this moment of Akane being like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, like, like walking home being like, what? What the fuck does that mean? Did did he misspeak? Because that did not match at all with what he was saying to me before. So, yeah, she's, you know, trying to think about that as, you know, she's kind of like closing things down. Um, and, uh, then uh, I believe we just go on to the next day because Akade's like clearly looks a bit fresher and she was finishing up her shift at this point. So I think that she's picking up the next day. But um, she observes one of the Rakugo performers uh, and uh, he, she hears the crowd response for for him and gets a big laugh. And she's like, oh, yeah, I think that one got a big reaction. And then Karashi, right next to her, he's going by while he's got a tray with some drinks on it, and he think and he just says aloud, "Ah, that's another way you can add a little wrinkle to that performance to get some laughs." And uh, then Akane like starts, also looks behind her over her shoulder, and she sees uh, the other Zenza Kenpute. Uh, immediately attends to uh, a Shinuchi who asks for a cigarette. He's like, oh yeah, I always make sure to bring some for you. Uh, and the Shinuchi immediately takes a kind of a liking to him and says, oh hey, do you want to be an opener for my solo performance? And he's like, oh yes, I'd be honored. And now Akane starts to realize Yasakate isn't just a place for me to just be a Zenza. It's a place that's full of life lessons and opportunities for Rakugoka. What I should really be focusing on is the stuff outside of the job. If I don't make the most of it, I'll just be doing this grunt work for nothing. Mm -hmm. And uh, Karashi closes out the chapter, actually. He has a little conversation with Kimpate, uh, who's really impressed with Akane's work so far, but Karachi says, hey, hey, I wouldn't be so sure that she's just going to be a diligent little, little worker. I don't think she's going to play a good little girl for too long. So, I heard, like her face doesn't display it, but behind you can just see some mischief at work. <laughs> like, it oh, looks, yeah. It looks like it's a simple smile, but inside it's just like chaos, like, like chaos level rising. <laughs> Always be scared of Akane when she's smiling. Yeah. Yes. So good chapter. Liked it a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was nice to have that kind of like rug pulled out from under you moment, but without it going on for too too long. Like Akane catches on quick enough and it's like, okay, right, yeah, this is a smart kid who is a quick learner. So Alright then. Let's move on to Alien Zerio. But Snake! Don't you mean Buron Buroron? They're all equally dead series, Nick. <laughs> the ghosts come for us all. Ooh, it didn't survive to Halloween, so I kept that one in the tank. You told me you were going to do it, too. Buron, <laughs> God damn it. Chapter number 18. Uh, she, oh, I hmm, Ahimsa and Timony, I think, and 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 
and I'm, I'm I'm done. I'm gonna I give up. I give up. I'm give up trying to pronounce the chapter <laughs> title. The assassin guy has shown up to help Shiraku and Tatsumi, and Tatsumi is uh, clearly surprised to see him. So good job, Shiraku, telling you know your fellow officers what you're gonna do. Like, Tatsumi could have, you know, immediately gone over to the known criminal and attempted murderer and punched him in the face and ruined your plan to have him support you. So, good job keeping him on the up and up. Uh, yeah, uh, the guy, the, the, the assassin says, like, oh, okay, so I get to, I, I just have to kill this guy and then I can return to my home planet. And Truck is like, no, 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 don't kill him. Capture him. But apparently he does get to just get released from his prison sentence if he does this so okay uh the horrible killer guy does a thing on his gun so that the barrel of it oh fades out and then fades back into existence directly behind the assassin's head and bam he's blasted in the head or he's not because he uses a shape memory optical weapon to create a clone of himself which catches the bullet which admittedly is a cool way of dealing with being shot in the back of the head i don't know why this ability isn't you know nullified by the guy's nullify ability he seems to stop just doing that now by the way Mm -hmm. um this is such uh, a weird moment it's just like what am i watching what's happening (laughs) why is this going on it's okay. Things get a lot more sane then because immediately the assassin charges in at the guy and he slashes with his sword and his clone also slashes with the sword and they chop both the guy's ears off. <laughs> Yay! It truly like, it like was this dude so interesting we had to pause to tell this character story because it's very clear the story is not continuing much longer. Well, Quinn, <laughs> we had to bring him back. Because he says it's a hackneyed moniker, but I'm not called Twin Blades for nothing. Because he had the one sword the whole time, so we needed to know why he was called Twin Blades. That's true. Can you imagine if we had ended this series without ever having that very crucial bit of, of his character revealed? I'm not just saying it because of the season, but I would have been haunted every night. <laughs> thinking why was that character called the twin blades he only had one sword not since sin the silent has a moniker been so wildly incorrect and i will not rest until i know the answer shout out to said the silent hell yeah all right people forever alive in our hearts uh Shiraku and Tatsumi just like very casually walk away from this fight and find a doorknob hanging in the air. Hey, look, we found the door out of this place and into the next room. Okay, Shiraku gets in contact with the outside. Uh, they get an update of stuff, it, whatever. They're keeping stuff contained, whatever. Oh, hey, they come across the fire guy and he's killed. Someone. Uh, he's killed someone. And, no! Uh, <laughs> so, oh man, the the fire guy is here, and, and uh, oh no, and uh, 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 Tatsumi looks at him and goes, who's this guy? Uh, and, and Shraka says, an A3 big shot. The West Tokyo branch chief, I'd say. And West Tokyo branch chief guy says, have a seat, let's talk. 
And... No, wait. The West... So he killed a member of the group, basically, that he was a part of. All right. We didn't want to deal with him. So he's dead, too. So Tatsumi is like, you kill people, fire guy. And and fire guy's like, well, I don't really want to talk with you. I want to talk with this, with, with the tousled shrimp, the Shraku guy. Uh, and Shraku uh, guesses like, ah, your equipment must be connected to the has controls. And he's like, yeah, it's programmed to concentrate flame. Can you guess what that means? And Tatsumi punches him in the face and knocks him on his ass. And for a brief moment, I was like, oh, good. Are we just going to, like, have Tatsumi just punch the guy who's trying to have his clever villain monologue moment and just beat him into submission and then arrest him and save the day that way? No, because the guy says, undeterred with getting his face caved in around Tatsumi's super fist, fighting won't solve anything because it won't stop anything. Agni will still burn everything to cinders. Foreign Affairs 5, A3, and this branch. Because! Uh, and Chirac clarifies, like, wait, you mean you're gonna, like, just burn everything, including yourself? Yes, it'll take ten minutes and there's nothing you can do to stop it. Talk or listen to music? Which will you choose? And Chiraku pauses and thinks for a moment. And we get sits a, down. We get a wild sequence of panels, too, that is just the lead going, like, basically just scanning the room, essentially, which is, like, an artistic choice that I cannot determine what, like, feeling that is meant to give this moment, because it really just looks like he's just like, did I drop something? Like, I don't know what else he's looking at. He is looking at Shiraku as he approaches and then sits down. So he's so he's surprised that Shiraku is actually just taking this guy up on his offer to talk about this shit. So I guess, yeah, it comes down to the thing that was established early in Aliens Area, which was not all situations are going to be solved through fighting. Sometimes you got to talk with people. And because this but, series is ending very early, no situation will be resolved by fighting because we didn't have time to get to those. I have to say, though, of all the different people that have been established in this series that you're going to talk down, the guy who just randomly fires people in order to murder them by burning them alive... Like, come on, <laughs> punch him in the face and arrest him. <laughs> All right, that's it. I'm done with that. Uh-huh. Blue box, chapter number 72, spinning. Oh, man, they were playing the king game last time, and Taiki was given a prompt that he had to shout out his feelings to the one he loves. Oh, wow. Parts Nick! Situation. Don't you mean Ty Scream? Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna, just, we started late. I don't have time to go into all of these. React all of these. So. Thunderclap, thunderclap, thunderclap. Kyo. Kyo. Saves Taiki from this situation by going, it's Yusa, meow, because he's talking like a cat still. And he's like, oh, yeah. Taiki loves Yusa because he was muttering on the bus ride over in his sleep. Oh, Yusa, your smashes are so fast. Yeah, he loves Yusa so much that he dreams about him. And then he turns to look 
And Ayase and says, oh, for real, he's in a love triangle with you, Moria. And it's like, thanks, Kyo, for getting him out of that situation, I guess. All right. Uh, teacher comes in and interrupts and tells them all to go to bed. There you go. How satisfying of a, hang of a fucking cliffhanger is that? Will... Taiki have to reveal his secret. Nah, teacher came in like, hey, go to bed. And they, they did it. Yeah, it's like, it, it does eventually pay off. It's like, you didn't know immediately who to say, right? And you're like, okay, I guess that is a development, but that is a grossly unsatisfying way to resolve that scene. Uh, it's like, shut up, Kyo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so Taiki goes to bed at, that, that night after Kyo says, oh, you weren't sure which girl you would have shot your feelings to, right? And Taiki, you know, thinks like, oh, yeah, I still uh, like Jinatsu, but, you know, there are times where I'd be along with Hina. It's like we get along great. And sometimes when I'm around her, my heart skips a beat. I do like that one of the moments where they're hanging out together is when they're like stretching for their gym classes. And it's like Hina's the gymnast. So her body can basically completely fold in on itself while Taiki's like eh. different types of exercise. Uh, Taiki's thoughts are spinning like a cup of See the joke mixing cream into it's a weird it's a weird visual metaphor, but it's there. <laughs> uh, everyone's super tired the next day because they're worn out from exercising the previous day, except for Taiki, who's like, "Good morning, everyone!" And everyone's like, "Fuck you, Taiki! Shut up! You're so no one likes you now." Uh, a bag has been left in the lobby. Whose could it be? Oh, it's Hina's. Taiki volunteers to take Hina her bag. Oh, man, the bus is leaving. He's going to catch it. He catches it very quickly because he was able to shot. Yes. <laughs> no attention. But uh, he runs up to the window, gives her the bag, and uh, there's just like, uh, see ya. And then he passes by the basketball teams who are jogging past. Uh, tall basketball hunk is jogging right next to Chinatsu. <laughs> And Taiki feels sad because, oh man, Shinatsu's got a guy friend who isn't me. Uh, badminton practice, intense practice, then they're eating afterwards and all the badminton guys are being dorks. They're just like, oh, we gotta we gotta eat hard in order to train hard. And Ayame comes by and says, guys, can you have some table manners? And Nishida says, mealtime is war! And Ayame says, the boys' basketball team are all behaving really nicely, and they just they just pan over, and all the basketball people are just having like a regular pleasant meal and are behaving themselves normally. So yeah, all the Batman boys are, are huge dorks, and it's good to know that. Yes, uh, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nishida says while looking at a tall basketball hunk, I can't stand that hunk, and Ayama says, "So you admit he's a hunk." There are some things in this world that are undeniable truths. And like, That's a like great a, answer. A person be I, I don't know the, the the text box makes it look like it's just the person behind him's like wow deep. <laughs> uh, Haru says I actually like Matsuoka because he hooks me up with good gears. So everyone's. Huge dorks on the, on the Batman team in different ways, but Harvey at least is just like, yeah, he seems like a good guy, and he's you know he's good, he, he's got a good personality, he's good at basketball, so yeah, he seems like a cool guy. What kind of game 
do you think Haru plays that he gets gear in? It's got to be uh, like some sort of like um, what's it called with the? Uh, it's got to be like a VR headset game with you know oh. like a like, you know it's got the wands. Oh, like Beat Saber. Beat Saber, yeah, because then it allows him to have like you know re- practice reaction time and stuff for so he could be better at Babbit because he's clearly obsessed with Babbit. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And you would need to actually. Cardio. Like, that's a lot. That's a lot of cardio. That's a lot. It's a lot of cardio. Yeah. I was thinking Pokemon. He refers to Pokemon <laughs> as gear. He's a real fucking sadist. He doesn't refer. He's like, I, I got a yellow thing. Everyone's like a Pikachu. He's like, whatever. <laughs> he just anyway. He just thinks I'm that his props. Ch- I'm gonna chop them and chop it up into Poke bits in order to feed them into my stronger Pokemon. It's like that's not how that works. Oh, I used my well, flamethrower. You mean a Charizard? Sure, whatever. <laughs> I use my gun. Yeah. God, I don't even know which one you could be referring to. That's just, that's terrifying. Uh, and everyone just kind of like looking over the basketball group and talking about like, Ayame, Ayame says, oh man, they all look good together, huh? And uh, Taiki's trying not to let it get to him. Uh, it, then it, we, get, we skip ahead to that night. Uh, Taiki goes off on his own to get like a change of clothes. He passes by Shinatsu in the halls and uh, they, you know, just like, exchange casual greetings and then she not she grabs him by the shirt because she notices that oh he's got a little injury on his elbow because he fell down during all their intense training and stuff so she says yeah you got you got to put an adhesive on that and Tyke is like well i'm fine well privately he's thinking so she's the type to call it an adhesive like, who's a person you know in your life who's the type to call it an <laughs> adhesive because i don't think i know as a opposed sing- to a bandage i, I don't know a single a person yeah that doesn't just call it like a band-aid or something like that oh uh, uh. i've never heard anyone refer to it specifically as an adhesive because adhesive is something that clings to something i'd else. be like that's glue stupid and i'd slap right. them they need to learn a lesson <laughs> like i'm like yeah. you're dumb yeah it's a big old band-aid and uh, she's got some in her pocket. She picks one out and she helps. It's uh, called a boo boo out. How dare you? <laughs> she uh, <laughs> she applies the healing salve strip uh, onto Taiki's wounded flesh thing, uh, and uh, there's just this very quiet moment between them. And then when she finishes applying it, she takes out a pen and she signs it like it's a cast, basically. Uh, but instead of actually signing it, she just writes down fight and she draws an image of a pig of a boar which because her drawing isn't fantastic taiki thinks it's a hot water bottle and she's like oh it's a boar because his name is inomata and Ino means pig so yeah she personalized it Aww. but they have this moment together uh but uh, chinatsu hears her friends you know looking for her so she's just like oh, take care and she heads off away from taiki and goes and rejoins them and in particular rejoins Matsuoka and Taiki's just kind of left by himself to just kind of process that and what just happened. Yes. Yeah. Some cute little moments. Um, starts off on one of those, like, we knew nothing was going to come from the cliffhanger in the last chapter, but this was a very particular, like, well, that wasn't really interesting at all way to resolve it. So that's done. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right. That was that was a fine one. Uh, Ginka and Luna, Chapter Five. I want to just keep going, Ginka and Buna, but I can't. It was a classic. 
It was really a classic, and I don't know how to go off with something else. Gotta come up with something else. It's okay. Uh, The small adventuring party that they've got going are exploring a tunnel which is freaking alive uh, because magic has been taken into it. Uh, And um, they're like caught up in like stomach acid within this giant tunnel which is has taken the form of a stomach and uh they've got and so ginka and luna like uh luna actually specifically makes this giant ice flow for them to protect them uh and she starts making a plan with ginka about how to help help each other through this she starts to inflate ginka like they did previously so that they can make their way through the tunnels but anemone's like upset at the way things have unfolded to this point because she's the cool badass adventurer and she's like hey come on you you saved me and I'm upset about that because like I'm okay if the snowman does it but this girl is my age and I'm not going to let you save me because I've got too much pride for that Uh, but before they can address that any further the ice cracks under their feet and a section of it with uh, Luna and her splits off Uh, and while that happens Anemone passes out and we get a terrifying flashback dream from her because apparently her magical master was a horrible demon thing that um killed his students if they didn't measure up real and real then... rough it's like a real escalation i feel like in this story of just like hey i had like a monster like not like in appearance, although yes, in appearance, but like, yeah, they were they they really just like murdered the shit. I was like, oh no, yeah. And uh, he would like when she was upset because you know all of her friends were being killed and crying over them. He would pick her up and force her mouth into a smile because it, crying over your friends makes you too human. And as a magician, you need to smile. E. Mm. Uh. Anemone wakes up, uh, and Luna is there, and they're they're still on, on a small ice platform. And it turns out that Luna has been protecting her from these weird bat creatures that have been attacking them while waiting for Anemone to wake up. Uh, and Anemone realizes because Luna's a little bit beat up that she must have been out for a while while Luna was taking care of the melting raft and fending off attackers. And Anemone gets so upset over this, but she apologizes for them being in this situation because of her. And Luna's like, hey, it, it, it's okay. Uh, and I'm sorry that I didn't do a better job with this because I'm still an amateur at magic. So can you watch my back while I try and take care of the raft? And they start to work together more properly. Uh, and Anemone and you know, watches her back, fending out these creatures. Luna goes to work on it. And Luna says, hey, by the way, what's wrong with being saved? And Anemone opens up to her about her what we saw in her flashback and she goes into more detail about it saying oh yeah my master would put students through these awful situations and a lot of them died and he believed the weak deserved to die and I don't agree with that and uh, we see that there is this cross or sword uh, ornament that she carries with her that one of her friends her fellow students gave to her asking that she live on in their stead and despite the fact that she doesn't agree with her master's teachings 
she says, I've got to be the strongest so that I can protect everybody. I can't be so weak that I need to be saved. And even though I should be protecting people, I'm the one who ended up being saved here. And she's really upset with herself. She's starting to cry in frustration. But Luna reaches over to her and she says, hey, you, you saved Beretta and right now you're saving me. So come on, let's let's smile together. Because when you smile, your heart grows stronger. And yeah, then and things start going your way. A bunch of weirdos on the Discord get excited. Yeah. <laughs> when you smile, when you girl who smiles. <laughs> so. They're good um, people, all of them. Oh, uh, female friendship. <laughs> I, I love it too. You know. In a healthy way. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> uh, so they get optimistic about the situation, and Emily picks herself up, and she, you know, is like, "Man, nah, I, I, I can't go against this girl's optimism, so I'm just going to roll with it, basically." And she, you know, starts to kind of pick up on her spirit, and they work together for three days. There's just a very sudden cut as they just keep on floating through this stomach, fending off monsters, working together, looking after each other, and floating through this stomach acid tunnel until they come what, across... What do you think they spent their time doing? Because three days is a lot to occupy. Uh, well, uh, Anemone probably needed help maintaining her hair. There's a uh, lot. There's, I feel like there's a lot that has to go into keeping that hair like that. Yeah, because it's those are very <laughs> stiff pigtails. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, a lot of, uh, very friendly, good friends handholding, uh, probably happens. <laughs> very innocuous, you know, like friends do, they just hold hands and practice kissing on each other, you know, all that uh, sort of yeah. stuff. Saying to each other how pretty the other looks, yeah. uh, how they're, how they're so good that, that, that Ex- it feels like a, exchanging each girl. other's keys. Yeah, it feels like it feels like uh, any girl would be lucky to have the other and stuff. But they're just being good friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just gals being pals in a very platonic way. Just gonna try. How many more? How many more buttons can I push? Hang on. <laughs> anyway, the two girlfriends, sorry, friends who are girls, uh, come across uh, this this group of survivors that they've been looking for, uh, who are on more stable ground. And uh, and they kind of the girls pick each other up and get to shore and they're like oh wow they all survived and at that moment Ginka shows up he's taken the form of a fucking submarine with Beretta flowing around inside of him I do and hey they're all reunited I do love how Luna has been drawn as looking just absolutely exhausted like the bags under the eyes like it really does look like they're like we have been through some fucking shit yeah uh it's it's like a very short sequence but i mean i do appreciate that there's no holding back on like yeah these girls were floating on a hunk of ice with no food (laughs) for three days also Uh, i love how luna's eyes look like they're crying because he's just had to swim through stomach acid, I guess, with his eyes, his windows, or headlights. I don't know. He's just like, ow! ow. <laughs> but the chapter's not quite done yet. <gasps> Luna and Anemone fucking sleep. Good for them. Uh, now they're on stable shore. Ginka looks... Uh, oh, uh, no, they only have one blanket, Nick. What are they going to do? Oh, no. <laughs> Use each other's... Never mind. Uh, so uh, Ginka realized, like, 
how did everyone in here survive? Because like the first victim disappeared two years ago. That's a really long time to survive on your own. And the survivors exchange a look and they turn to Ginka and say, you're the one who saved us. Why were you talking about? And of course, Ginka is like, what are you talking about? And then he hears a voice saying, no, not you, me. And there is a figure that looks like Ginga, except not composed of snow, but composed of, I guess, rock, maybe, or ice, I don't know, or the makings of the cave itself or something like that. And uh, Beretta and Ginga are shocked by this. And then the entity just says, I'm Ginga. So, yeah, uh, chapter did not let up uh, we got a character more deeply established uh and then a new one introduced uh, as we keep on going with this idea of you know the parts of ginka have been distributed and are having effects in the world so yes. yeah uh, that was a good chapter it's fun um yeah it's nice yeah quinn i've got a puzzle for you oh <gasps> you do yes okay i'm gonna try my best all right prospective i give up <laughs> Prospective picture actor premieres as Pastor's powerful protege. Oh, this is Dave Batista who showed up as Deacon Batista for That's uh, right. Devon. That's damn oh, right. Uh, very well done. He is classic. Now, Nick, I have a game for you as well. This All is right. this is Nick and Quinn waste a minute of your time. I'm thinking of a professional wrestler, a singles wrestler right now. I'll let you know if it's ever a tag team or a group. Uh, you have, okay. You have one minute to guess it using yes or no answers starting right now. Are they alive? Yes. Okay. Are they an active wrestler? No. Okay. Um, uh, no. Uh, I'll, no. I'll, I'll okay. Is it Sting? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. He's very uh, active. If there's a bowl, stop. Okay, uh, are they involved in wrestling while being an inactive wrestler? Uh, I, yes, yeah. Okay, is it Triple H? No, I, I need to actually cut, cut it down. Were they active in the '90s? No. Okay, were they active in the 2000s? I, I think yes. I'll, I'll say yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, is it Jason Jordan? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was going further forward. Uh, were they in Impact TNA? Uh yes. No. Uh, no. Actually, I don't. I don't think they were. No. Okay. Were they in WCW? No. Okay. So probably. Uh, is it? Is this a male wrestler? No. Ooh. Okay. Um. Uh, is it Trish Stratus? Okay. No. But that's that's your last. You get one more guess. Okay. Active in the tooth thousands they're involved in wrestling while not being an active performer you hesitated on if they're active or not is this molly holly it is not i was thinking of aj lee because she is like technically like a manager of that women's wrestling foundation or whatever I don't know if she's actively participating in anything on. I don't even know if they have on screen. I guess they just do house shows, but she is like an active part of that. And I was. She all, was technically active in the. In I was the like very late very 2000s. late two thousands. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, she was completely off my radar. I should have kept on going for narrowing stuff down. So there we that go. Was, was not, that was. I, I knew what to do the first time, and this time I was like, I, I'm just going to guess now. I was like, don't do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> there was something you threw out very early, and I was like, all right, this is a Bravo guess or something like that. 
Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, I think that we're on to uh, PPP, PPP now. So it's chapter 52, much heavier. Uh, last time, Lucky had approached Fanta, suggesting that they, you know, just like... But Nick! Don't you mean Fanta? <laughs> Discord cut out almost all of that for me. <laughs> so I just heard you go, don't you mean fun? <laughs> it did its job. It did what it needed to. Uh, so Fanta says in response to Lucky's proposal, hey, your piano playing makes wishes come true or something, right? <laughs> so he just does not seem very... He's like, what does your bullshit thing do? <laughs> Uh, but he says, look, I entertain the audience through fantasy. That's my job. But when it comes to my own wishes, they won't be realized through any fantasy you show me. And he seems very disgusted by this idea now. And uh, he he clearly does not think Lucky's playing is not going to have any effect on me. But Lucky tries to bring around back to the point of like, I mean, but it's my fault you were separated from mom. Uh, but Fanta says, hey, I mean, you might be familiar with the me who was a cute little kid who loved his mother, but you gotta stop looking at me through that lens. That's disrespectful to the way I've lived. I've spent every day over the last 10 years reflecting on myself. There's nothing your piano playing can do for me. I mean, it's clearly wrong, but uh, I do like this way of putting it like, oh yeah, Fanta's been separated from their mother for a long ass time. The majority of his life. So, of course, he would have the impression that she means nothing to him. Yeah. Rajiro starts to interject in the conversation. You know, he starts to shout at Fanta, and Mimin immediately spins around and smashes her palms into his face to shut him up. And for a brief moment, it looks like Mimin is just like, no, no, we need to stay out of this. But then when she talks in the next panel, she just goes, don't yell in my ears. So it's hard to gauge. Did, was there a deep meaning for why she stopped this? Or was she just like, don't yell in my ear? You never tell with her. So, uh, yeah. And Fanta says, hey, don't take it easy in this contest. You got to come at me like you're trying to kill me. And uh, Lucky believes him. So he shouts down from the stands to the stage where Sadame has taken his spot at the piano. Hey, go ahead with the plan. So Sadami now is like, okay, well, hang on. Let me think about this. How do I react to what's going on here? And he tries to process what, how Sorachika reacted when they told him about the funeral garb that the talented Lucky was wearing. But then he says like, okay, but is this information from Lucky that came so quickly really reliable? I mean, I was, I told him my theory and, and it was really bossy about it, but did I understand everything correctly? Maybe I overlooked something in my reference material and why didn't Lucky choose the brilliant Lucky? There's all this stuff going on and it's really difficult to have to incorporate all this stuff that's going on into La Campanella because uh, I've studied all of the Odegami's performances of it and it was insane just to copy their piano fingering Uh and they play it all so easily. And the hardest thing is finding the emotions that are expressed in the piece. And basically, he's just kind of building up like, this is all, you know, going to be very tough for me. And he goes over all the research he's done, uh, all of the interviews that the Ogami siblings have done so that he can gain insight in what they're feeling. 
And he says, I combined all their feelings with similar ones I've experienced into emotional copies. I tried each one and I kept doing that. And when I found the right feeling, the fantasy manifested. And what he starts to play is Fanta's fantasy land uh, as this very bizarre set of geometric shapes appears in the background, distorting everything. And uh, he has concluded, uh, Sadama has concluded that Fanta's performance is the easiest for him to mimic. He makes sure not to show it in his fantasy, but Fanta's natural feelings are ones that are familiar to me. Doubt towards someone you used to trust. Meanwhile, while I was thinking about this, there's some weird geometric art going on with all this stuff, and it's hypnotizing. Uh, but he's just talking about, like, oh, yeah, this is about how Fanta d doesn't feel trust towards his mother anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, he just talks about how, like, you know, Fanta's broken trust was a huge shock for him. Uh, and he remembers, like, yeah, I was like that, too. But Fanta's experiences are much heavier than mine. And... Meanwhile, while everyone is reacting to what seems to be Fanta's theme park, uh, we just kind of see uh, some reactions going on between some of the Ogami siblings towards it. And that's oh, it. I just, I love fucking Fanta's just look of like, you piece of shit. Like, now he looks like sad, but there is a moment of just like, you son of a bitch. You did one, no? <laughs> oh, I, I suck. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, that is some cool stuff. Hmm. I guess we're going to see everybody evolve at the end of this arc, Nick. Wow. It does seem as though a lot of people are going to be uh, affected by all this. So, All right, Nick, let's talk about Mashal Magic and Muscles, Chapter 127, Lance Crown, Dot Barrett, and the Eldest Son. But before we get to any of those characters, we have to address Caldo Gehenna, who showed up to fight Tattoo Guy, who I don't know if we ever got a name for. And, uh, I don't know if we did either. Spoilers, he gets to fear this chapter, so he will just be known as Tattoo Guy for right now. Uh, Gehenna has summoned his big fire sword. Tattoo guy runs towards him and just gets cut in half. Just he's from done. the waist he's up, done. he's boom. And Gehenna just says, no such reality exists in which violent bullies don't get their just desserts. And then he also says it did deserts, not desserts. It's very strange. Anyway. Yeah. Well, deserts is also an appropriate term, but. Yeah, just desserts is definitely how I think we more colloquially yeah, refer to it. Um, especially if you're if you're the sand user in an evil magic guild, but anyway. Yeah. Um so he he swings a sword, fire cross explosion, wild. Um and everyone uh Levin's like, This is crazy. What a like he this is what a real divine visionary does. And hey, since you're here, can you help us turn this key? Because we can't do it on our own. Oh, Thank God, it's finally going to get resolved. They're going to be able to do this now that the super strong mage has shown up. Yeah. Called Okahenna's like, I thought that might be the case. It's all right. I'm here now. All together now. And all three of them grab it. One, two, three. Oh, fuck. It didn't budge. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, cut over to Mash and uh, Lance, who have arrived in the last room. Uh, Apparently, Tattooed Animal Guy was named when he first showed up at the end of the chapter a while ago. Uh, I don't care. I'm not going to go back. Uh, we enter into this big chamber, and Lance, like, Dot accidentally steps on Lance's foot, 
and they start gaining into like a cartoon like a cartoon effect fist fight where like it's just their like heads popping out of a big dust cloud such a good time for yeah. this to happen <laughs> and then doom shows up and he's just like you, you fucks to think you've made it this far you must have defeated one of my mothers then perhaps you might actually put up a fight and of course dot and bear or dot and lance are like shit the brother and you know like this this is gonna be tough like we may not be able to defeat this one but maybe we can i think we can and there's like a swipe a dot like just barely dodges underneath it and he does some you know explosion magic that doom just crushes just just fucking crushes within his fist uh, and then like just punches uh dot and lance tries some of his gravity attacks this guy just no sells that as well he's too strong his strikes are like swinging through the gravity and he's like shit this guy's tougher than his brothers and doom just plants his sword sits down these steps and he's like show me i want to see your very best so dot, like no one ever was yes uh i will go the distance and then dot and lance are like hey all right let's do it they activate their thirds spells fire a big attack zoom in zoom in right at doom's face hard cut to just doom's bloodied sword and the two of them defeated they're just like dots face down the ground lance has been like crushed into a wall and he's like damn what a shame i may have i may end up killing all of them without ever having to use my full strength how about you show me what you're made of divine visionaries we cut over to mash who is still unconscious and then lemon is just like we're done for we're fucked yeah there's gonna be like i wonder if there's just going to be some sort of comedy twist to this whole key thing you'd like, be turning it the wrong way the whole time or some something like, like that. that yeah it's gonna be like it'll just be something silly because it does seem as though it's the case it's like it's not just that they're just not strong enough unless mash's healer is literally the only person strong enough to turn the yeah key. amelia duel shows up and is like I put the safety on it before I left. I put the parking brake on. I'm so silly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The Elusive Samurai. Chapter 81. Bushido. 1335. You can't get anything out of that. Don't even try. (laughs) (laughs) You're just going to zoom past that. I don't have a chance. (laughs) Just can't. There's no way you can get anything out of that. Chapter (laughs) Trump. Anyways, let's just talk about what happens in it now. Connect. Come on. I'm, I'm an adult. All right. All right. I'm sorry, I should give you more credit. So, uh, Kotro is still engaged. But they don't you mean Boudreau? No. <laughs> Carry on. That's not, that's not what I have. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Kotro uh, thinks that he has the advantage now because he's so much smaller and his blade is shorter that when they're in close range, he can actually swing at full strength as opposed to Shibukawa, who's got his massive Daikatana thing. And also, he's really tired. He can't attack as well. And everyone's like, holy shit, who's this Kojiro kid who's going in on this guy? Uh, and uh, meanwhile, the strategist is like, okay, I, I can't just stop and do nothing. Every, all, every, all the troops keep on moving out. I've just got to trust in Shibukawa's strength to, to carry him through. Uh, Shibukawa uh, is sensing that like he might be done for because he realizes that he's on the ropes. But he flashes back to two years ago when he was a crybaby who fled the Hojo without slaying anyone, and he was dishonored as a result. Uh, and Tadayoshi came to him, and Tadayoshi said, you use honor and mercy as excuses for cowardice? And, and Chibukawa was like, I'm sorry, I'm so weak. And the Tadayoshi was like, I will take your elder sister as my wife. 
and I vow to love only her. I will assign you to a post in Kamakura and arrange for your child to marry my elder brother's child. And Chibuka is like, oh, why are you doing this for me? Which is like, yeah, you know, all the all your family members are just commodities to be given promotions and stuff. That's yes. right. That's cool. Um, but uh, also it establishes that at this moment, Chibuka is 19. So he is 21 in the time the story is taking place. Okay. He's accomplished. Uh, I wonder. Ton. He like. Yeah, he must have like super magnified his virginity, even though they established he has a child. That's always so strong. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so Tadayoshi says, "Like, look, you're the best warrior of the Ashikaga. I know you would never flee from battle. Now, your debt to us is your honor. So do not squander it. Become rage and let it destroy our enemies." So that's pretty badass. I'll take that. Yeah. In the present, Shibukawa. Uh, kicks Kojiro in the fucking face and then kicks him in the stomach in order to basically knock him away so he has better distance to use his sword. And he just keeps on spinning after his kick and follows it up with this big vertical slash of his sword. And it doesn't kill Kojiro because he's just too far away from it. He's able to twist away and just lose like a plate of armor on his arm, but it freaking slices his bicep open. Nasty as hell. Uh, Kodro quickly binds his wound with like his the remnants of his sleeve uh, and Shibukawa is like I'm just gonna keep on using this technique I'll kick you away to my distance and I'll fucking kill you and Kodro goes wow this is fun because all of these children are psychopaths they're crazy I cannot stress that enough wait do we um we, he screams right Um, who does? The one guy, the lead character. Oh, Tokiyuki. But Nick, don't you mean Toku Spooky? (laughs) See, I was, I was getting, I needed to know which, stop it, stop it. (laughs) You're going to burn out your bowl. I just needed to know which one you needed to let me to set up for you, okay? <laughs> I like an ADD like uh, distraction. I think I passed over that scene. It's like, oh, I worked so hard on Toku Spooky. I can't lose out on that. I was mentioning the chat. I was like, I thought Asa's name was Aka and I had Draculaka like in the bag oh and that God. didn't work. And I was like, if I lose Toku Spooky as well. <laughs> I don't it's know. Okay. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. We've we've got Chainsaw Man next week. You'll get another one set up. I believe in you. I believe in you. All right, let's go. Uh, meanwhile, sex pervert molester warrior evil guy. Uh, he's got a special technique thing, which is oh, he um, he's strong. He hits. He 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 chops his sword sheath in half, and the parts go flying in both directions and scatter the people surrounding him. And then he tries to charge in towards the women so that he can kill them all with his sword. Uh, but Fubuki jumps in the way. He's got his two swords, and also he's picked up a helmet from a fallen soldier. He uses them together to block the sword, and he just barely manages to block it without everything falling apart and getting cut in half himself. And in the opening, uh. Oh, Mochizuki comes in and stabs the guy through the back and he falls down going, no. Uh, And Mochizuki is like, you took us all on. So you truly were strong. You are clearly worthy of my respect, rapist guy. 
Any last words? <laughs> Weird pervert monster man. <laughs> We've had a great fight. Uh, but I do appreciate that this is followed up. It's sort of like when you had like... to shake Darby Allen's hands after a match. Or like... <laughs> oh, God, why doesn't anyone just be like, you're fucking weirdo. Fucking hate you. <laughs> uh, so he, he, the guy tries to get this badass boast. He's like, you'll have to kill me first and I'll shout my last words from beyond. And Mochizuki just plunges his sword through his heart. Okay, can't kill him. <laughs> Yay, he's dead. <laughs> Presumably. Cut his head off, please. Yeah, that was the Eternal Samurai. The Elusive Samurai, yeah, rather. Eternal Samurai. Uh, it was good. I, you know, was, I mean, that dude's dead, finally. So, huzzah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the other fight's actually kind of a cool thing going on with Gojiro. So, I, I dig it. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Nick, let's talk about Black Clover, page 340, an opening. Uh, and we get a little cover page of Asta that's like key art for the new movie that's coming out sometime soon. Yeah. So cool stuff. Very, very cool pencil, uh, pencil uh, sketch. It's nice. Uh, so Asta has just mastered Zetan. He hasn't mastered it, but he succeeded in doing it. And it was, it was, it was very cool. Uh, and he, you know, uh, oh, fuck, I forget this dude's name. Yoya? No, Ryuya? Ryudo. Ryudo. Okay. Ryudo's just like, cool, you got the basics down, and like, you know, there's nothing more than the basics, though. What's, you know, what's that, and that matters is being able to shove it right out of it when you want to. So, you know, you also need to create an opening so it'll hit home. And the fastest way to get a feel for it is to fight an excerpt. You had to go around with the Chica. But. But wait! Don't you mean yes. Chica? You've used the same things. <laughs> no, that one was ah. This is eek. They're very different. Chica, oh, okay. come on, Nick. Come on. All right, fine. I fine, fine. am not a one trick. I know we're at ten o'clock, Nick, but I am not a one trick pony. I have a dissertation. I have the respect of the Spookmaster General and the Spookmaster General's family. <laughs> I didn't know Spookmaster General had a, had a family. What a deep character with a rich backstory. <laughs> yeah, thank you. They've worked so hard on everything they've worked. Oh, okay. We'll get into it next week when you meet uh, the Spookmaster General's extended family. It's going to be oh, me in no. a, a blue hat. <laughs> I'm the blue Spookmaster General. Blue. <laughs> Whatever. Um, Anyway, Asta goes to train with the Chica. Uh, Chica's very strong. She's like, hey, you gotta come at me seriously, because if you don't, you'll die. And she's very, very strong. And they get, like, kind of an action sequence of Asta trying to attack her, and Chica's just too fast and sort of dodging everything. And Ryota's just like, legend say Zetan God's name because its creator gave off enough yojutsu to split the sky with one attack. And Chica, like, kicks Asta into the air, and, you know, you're just, like, marveling, like, well, anti magic's very tough, and she has a hard time hitting you while you're concentrating. Every once in a while, though, your attention lapses, and that's when she gets you. And guess what? That's going to be true for Lucius as well. He's got Hello? time. It's, oh. There's not a lot of attention drawn to this particular moment when they're up in the air. But while they're, like, a hundred feet up in the air, Ichika... Judo throws Asta back downward. <laughs> it's great. It is very cool. Uh, they're like, yeah, he may have time and soul magic. He's as strong as they come. Don't face him head on. Keep dodging him. 
find that little opening and line up your biggest attack. And Asta does in that moment, he does this big strike that basically like cleaves the forest. Like we just see like the, the trees of like the, the bandu stalks just like fly off. Uh, Chica dodges it and nails him in the stomach. That's so. not what happens actually. Ichika does that attack, mm. and Asta just barely blocks it from hurting himself, him, and then so he blocks it, but all the trees ah. behind him get chopped, and you're, that knocks him uh, off of his defense too. You're correct, uh, and they're like, "Wow, you really went strong there," and and Asta's just like, "Crap, I'm about to black out. This is really strong, but I want to know more about that power. I'm not done yet." And she just fucking cry, chops in the back of the head, <laughs> and he's like, "Don't talk shit if you can't back it up." Uh, and they're just like, hey, you know, that's crazy. Like, this guy took the full force of your attack without blacking out. Like, there's not a lot of people in this country that can do that. So the kid has a little bit of promise, right? And she's like, don't make me laugh. Uh, and he's like, uh, you ain't laughing. So, yeah, that's that's the scene. I pray that the day is not coming when Ichika just becomes, like, another girl who has a crush on Asta. Please, like, don't let that happen. <laughs> that... I just want her to be... A pint-sized, angry little badass who won't stop punching people. You have willed an evil into this world that I I have smoked it into existence. I'm not a fan of it. All right. No, I I love I love Chica. I love that she just won't stop beating up asses. (laughs) All right, we're gonna close things out with One Piece. Chapter 1062, Adventure in the Land of Science. Uh, so last time, um, Vegapunk, Vegapunk was a girl. Oh, my God. And she showed up in a giant ass uh, mecha to save the Thousand Sunny from these huge sea creatures. Uh, and everyone on the Straw Hat ship is just reacting to her presence uh, Frankie is like, holy shit, you're Vegapunk. I, 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 I really respect your work. And I got so much. I, I spent two years in your lab in Baltimore. I was there. So much of this stuff I want to show you. Uh, the boys are freaking out over the fact that there's a giant robot still. Uh, Sanji's like, oh, my God, Vegapunk's hot. Thanks, Sanji. Uh, <laughs> Robin comes in like a fucking turf. She's like, hold on. I never heard you're a woman and your appearance doesn't match up. So, like, I'm questioning your womanhood. Like, oh, no, not you. Vegapunk can do whatever they want. Yeah. They're, they're the world's greatest. Vegapunk made made an elephant's sword okay <laughs> also to be fair i'm fairly certain that all of the vegapunk clones uh as we'll find out their gender is just science that's that's a hundred percent yeah probably 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 um and uh vegapunk clarifies like hey okay look i'm not the stella which is the main body i'm punk zero two lilith the evil <laughs> Uh, and, uh, she says, like, my research budget is, uh, stretched out, uh, so give me all your valuables and then I'm gonna leave you alone. <laughs> so, Nami, of course, is the one to object to them having to hand over their riches. But she points out, like, why'd you scoop us out of the water and save us? And Vegapunk says, I did not save you. These waters are normally unreachable by ships because these things make them all sink. The sea beast weapons. Uh, and now that they all emerge from the water, they're like all wearing like goggles and hats that say punk on them and stuff. 
uh, and Frankie is like, holy shit, they're incredible. Usopp instead goes, oh no, the fear's winning out this time. <laughs> I do love that moment of him being like, oh, I thought these were cool, but now I'm scared. All the monsters stare them down. Zoro stares back. Nami and Brooke are scared. Uh, I'm scared. Lilith. Yeah. Lilith will just stick with that because. Botnik, don't you mean Killith? Gotta get that out. Go ahead. Yeah, Lilith isn't a good demon name or anything. Yeah. Uh, we're just gonna call her Lilith because that's easier than saying this Vegapunk and that Vegapunk, oh, which all get introduced very quickly. I'm gonna so. promise you, as I'm referring to these characters, it's just gonna be Vegapunk two, Vegapunk five, right. everything like that. Because it's written right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lilith gets a contact from Shaka, uh, who is scolding her over like, "Come on, what are you doing plundering these people? They don't you have a scientist pride?" And then when Lilith is like, "Shut up." Uh, <laughs> She's guys to have point out to her like this. These are the straw hats. One of them was just made an emperor of the sea. And at first, Lilith is like, "Oh, then they must have all sorts of riches." And they said, "No, no, no, no. you made a terrible mistake. You've underestimated them. Look at the swordsmen on board. That's pirate hunter Zoro. Zoro. He's got a bounty of one point one 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 billion berries, and he's just been calmly hanging back the whole time because he knows he can slaughter you at an instant from the range he's at right now." And also, there's the demon child, Nico Robin, there, too. She will also fuck you up. That one will fuck you <laughs> There's other and strong course, ones like, on the on the ship, though, but they're either, like, going through a childlike fascination or they're really horny right now. But they're also very strong. I want to note yeah, that, but yeah. they're they're distracted. <laughs> but I do like that Lilith is just like, oh, so the talkative jokers are just a distraction? I didn't pay close enough attention. That second part is, however, true. Yes. Zoro has immediately turned the tables on the situation and just like, we've got some demands and you're going to listen. <laughs> so they've turned that around. Um, uh, Shaka the Good, who is Punk01, says over their communication to Lith, hey, just bring them here because I've got an interest in the crew. Meanwhile, Luffy and Bonnie and Chopper and Jimbei have all washed up in a cave in the island and they start like going through ladders and stuff into these tunnels underneath the city. And we very suddenly get important backstory as Luffy says, oh, you've been here before. Yeah, when I was a kid, this is Bonnie. It was a normal ad back then. And uh, I came back because depending on his answer, Vegapunk will have to die for his crimes because he turned my father into a cyborg to the point he's losing his sense of humanity and doesn't know who he is anymore. So Kuma is Bonnie's dad. Did we know that before? We, I don't remember that. We knew that there was some connection because we saw Bonnie in uh, Marajoa during the reverie and she saw Kuma and was very upset. Right. We didn't know if it was like, is that a f like parent daughter? Is it husband wife? Because you don't know how old. I mean, it could be Kuma was the kid for all we knew. We don't know how old she, Bonnie's powers or how old she is herself. So I guess the presumption. Yes, I guess the presumption is that the age we generally see her at is the age she is supposed to be then. Yeah, that would, I guess, match up if we also assume that Kuma's physical appearance is supposed to be how old he is. Well, well he's been he's been a pacifista for a while, too. A long time, yeah. So, uh, so Jimbo's like, yeah, that's fucked up. Uh, and uh, <laughs> then they reach the surface, and they're in Jetson land immediately. Everything's in bubbles. What's going on? Everything's flying. There's weird monsters everywhere. Uh, and everyone's immediately like, what is going on here? 
Luffy just can't contain himself. He immediately is like, I'm going to go on a ride. And he goes for this weird dragon thing and catapults himself through the air with his gum gum abilities. The dragon thing eats him. And immediately I start getting flashbacks because everyone's like, oh, no, Luffy's been eaten. And then he just flies out the back of this dragon thing's head while going, huh? Uh, and hits the wall behind it. Um, and everyone's like, oh, that's weird. Then I like how before Bonnie was trying to tell everyone, like, guys, we're intruders. We can't get involved in all this stuff. But then she sees that there's food. And immediately she just she's just one of the goofballs because that's her thing. And so they, they immediately all, the three of them, Bonnie, Luffy, and Chopper all jump towards this huge parfait it's just got ice cream cones in it the size of a person. And they all just pass through it the same way that Luffy went through the dragon thing. Uh, and everyone's like, what the hell? What is this? I can see it, but I can't grab it. What happened? Did we die at some point? Uh, but Jinbei analyzes like, oh, this must be a hologram. I mean, I've never actually seen a hologram in person before. Luffy starts to, like, go gear four very briefly because he's so upset about there not being ice cream to eat. Um... But uh, they start to all realize, like, okay, these are all just images. These things aren't actually here. That's why you pass through that and that and that. Um, uh, Jinbei also realizes, like, you know, the sea outside was cold, but it's actually really warm here. And this large person shows up with bicolored hair. Uh, and it's another one of the Vegapunks. And they say like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is this is a tropical place, but it's a winter island because I invented island AC to control the temperature of the island itself. No big. Uh, Luffy immediately suspects that this is just another hologram. So, you know, to test it, he punches them uh, and uh, gets freaking decked across the room and goes flying into basically a vending machine for meals. I know that there's a term for it, but I can't remember what it is. Exactly. Like a replicator, basically. Essentially. Uh, and it produces um, a happy meal with branded Vega Cola uh, and a burger and fries. Uh, and immediately the food hungry people all chow down and are like, oh, this is great. It's so good. I thought it was a hologram before, but it's all real. It's awesome. And yeah, this is a, on a cooking machine that Vegapunk created. And Vegapunk just kind of starts ranting about stuff like, hey, you know, there's all these things that we have, you know, access to. There, As long as there's food material, this can provide tons of different meals to any user, each prepared in under a minute. And there is all this stuff that we could do. I could do weather manipulation to save people from terrible climates and stuff. And it makes me so mad that there just aren't enough technicians to actually help the world. Because if we just spend a little money we could just control the weather and the world doesn't have enough tech or funding for it. Um, and uh, also they punch a hologram because they have light pressure gloves. Yes. Hologram yes. punching gloves. Yep. Uh, it's like the and... power up you get in the Metroid game that you use like once or twice and you're just like, cool. What a fun upgrade. They also make a, an image of a woman appear. Uh, and they say, like, yeah, the moment people can touch something, they believe that it's real matter. And Luffy's like, wait, so you're saying that that lady's not real? And the Vegapunk says, whether it's real or not is for you to decide. If you ask me, those words are a relic of a bygone age. So the scientist gets philosophical, basically. <laughs> what is real and what isn't real. 
Uh, and they're like, okay, so who are you then? And they introduce themselves as a humble genius scientist for hire, Dr. Vegapunk. Hey, Vegapunk it's like Astro Boy, kind of. Uh, yeah, the boots, the boots definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they are their name is Atlas, specifically. <gasps> and uh, Bonnie knows, like, wait a minute, you're not, this isn't Vegapunk, what the hell? Uh, and um, they're, uh, Chopper and Luffy are shocked because even they know the name of the name Vegapunk. We cut over to the new world, and uh, hey, it's CP0 meeting for something. Kaku and uh, Luchi and Stussy is her name. Botnik! Don't you mean Boosie? (laughs) It happened! We got him! We got him! Discord's going crazy right now. I can't understand a thing you're saying. You're yelling too much. Yeah, Bucci showed up in, 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 a, in a Halloween chapter. Congratulations, Quinn. Very exciting. So, Kaku's got to break this down for Lucci and for us to say, it's like, all right, so there's only one Vegapunk. But he's such a genius. You know, this is my voice for Kaku. I was going to say, so Kaku's, he's like, hey, I'm just a normal guy from Staten Island. What are you doing? But I got to tell you about this fucking guy, Vegapunk. He's only one of them, but he's such a fucking I genius. I hate them. Yeah, he don't have enough time to do any of that shit. He's short-handed. So he thought, why not make some more hands? And he split himself into six different mushmooks. So he's put himself into six gabagools, that guy. (laughs) So there are a total of six satellites who are all Dr. Vegapunk together. So this indicates that there is no longer a core Vegapunk, just the six satellites. The three that we've been introduced to so far, and then there's also three more, and each of them has a number, their own name, and their own title. Good, evil, thinker, wisdom, violence, and greed. Nick, these are all important things you need to do science. You need a little violence and greed in that. I guess you could say greed for like, because some people were like, I don't understand how evil is. I was like, unfortunately, a lot of science has been progressed for the sake of evil, uh, and I guess greed, you could say, uh, a lot of advancements have happened because of capitalism, question mark? Mm. But violence is definitely an interesting one. I guess nuclear reactor or nuclear bombs. I don't know. It's a strange thing. Yeah. Yeah. There seem to be also a lot. Of, there, there seem to also be a lot of references to like famous uh, scientific minds and such uh, within their names. One of them is named Edison. One of them is named Pythagoras. Uh I'm not familiar with... I'm going to fucking hate Pythagoras. I'm going to hate Pythagoras so fucking much. Fucking Uh, nerd. I think I... When I was... uh... Oh, never mind. I think it's something else. A squared plus B squared equals C squared? You know, that that factored into actually a essay I had to write uh, that I wrote in high school uh, because I did a proof on it. Guys, I don't know if you know this about me. I know that I keep up this facade of being this, you know, kind of cool, worldly person, but I am just a giant fucking nerd. <laughs> Wait, what? I'm sorry to, 
Sorry to disappoint you all. Nick, wrote, what? You're the cool one on the show. You can't do this. I wrote, did a whole thing that had to do with uh, proving that the square root of two is irrational. <laughs> Pythagoras theorem was one of the methods I used in order to prove it, because then I had to do a subproof, which was that if the uh, two uh, amounts on a uh isosceles triangle isosceles right triangle of there <laughs> never mind <laughs> i can't go to the whole thing it took me like four thousand words to write out and prove it so <laughs> anyway so uh Lucci is like i don't give a shit about any of this stuff i don't care about what this guy did in his salad pies and stuff all i know is we're supposed to return this giant thing to the egghead and then eliminate all the Vegapunks. Uh, yeah, so they're going to return Kuma to Egghead, eliminate the Vegapunks, and Kaka says, and also we have to be careful with the lab because it's full of very valuable stuff. Uh, and Luchi's like, I mean, I don't get this. They want us to eliminate the, eliminate the most useful man in the world. And does this have anything to do with what happened in Lulugia the other day? Ooh. But, uh, yeah, so... Um, that's about it. Yes. Um, I do want to specify it is not Kuma themselves. It is uh, the Seraphim version of Kuma. I believe the regular right. the regular version of Kuma, I believe, was liberated by the revolutionaries, I think, if I'm recalling correctly. Well, because that Kuma is with the revolutionary army now. So, yeah. uh, But that's a Seraphim. Uh, this is a really kind of cool ending. I've heard some people differently kind of theorize where they think Lucci is going to play in all of this and based on him kind of i guess he doesn't really question lusa but he does bring it up i air to think that he might end up being like an anti-hero to this arc or something like that um yeah. i'm very curious i'm super excited to see luchi like involved in the story again to see what kind of differences have happened to this character since that it's it's super exciting <laughs> Uh, and I think this is all like a lot of really cool stuff going on. It would be a cool development for the for Lucci, who was one, I think, probably the earliest character to have that note of you can't go against the world government because they're too fucking strong. And he, you know, look, I'm out, I'm outclassing you and I'm just one part of this whole thing for him to be a guy that questions what they're doing and what then what orders they're taking and stuff like that maybe he won't completely turn on it but even just the note of like he's at least thinking about the stuff that they're being made to do is a nice note yeah so. all right that's gonna do it for this edition of weekly manga recap let's wrap up by naming our favorites for this week favorite chapter and mvp sure i'm gonna do mine real quick and say that my favorite chapter i think is one piece i think there was a lot of really cool little details in it that made it very fun and that uh, Juez was my character of the week because she died. <laughs> I mean, I get that. Uh, <laughs> I get what you mean. Yes. Uh, I am going to go for. Let me just do a quick review real quick. Uh, I'm going to go for Undead Unluck uh, for my chapter of the week. And I'm going to go with Ichika as my character. The more that she sticks around and just keeps on just punching stuff really angrily, the more I like her. So, mm-hmm. uh, The audience, by the way, picked Undead Unluck and Juez as their one-two punch for best series this week. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Great final moments for uh, her, for her uh, or at least this iteration of her. So, Yes. Yeah. Uh, 
All right, guys, that is going to do it for Weekly Manga Recap this week. We want to thank you for joining us. I'm sorry for the late start. Uh, just some came up right before we were going to record, and but here we are now. We got through it. Thank you for sticking around. Uh, and uh, we will be back next week with more. We start the show here on twitch.tv slash RoloT starting around 7.30 usually Eastern time, but you can stay updated when the show is going live by following us on social media, WMR Podcast, RoloT, Nick F. Time, and by joining the Discord server. The Discord server has a wonderful community. It has bi-weekly game nights, discussions about chapters as they come out, and the recommendation that we have taken. And also you can use it to access the Google Doc that is maintained by Ninja X3i, which keeps track of all sorts of helpful statistics associated with the show, uh, voting on supplemental rewards and favorite moments from the history of the show, and also just like all the recommendations we've taken. And you can make your own recommendation there as well, if you'd like to. Yes. We would like to thank everyone who supports us over on patreon.com slash weekly manga recap, where you can become a contributor and uh, we'll just, uh, and uh, we will be happily sharing more stuff for you guys, bonus content for you to enjoy. We also want to give special thanks to Wednesday Del Cheddar and Milo Jack Stillis for creating the opening sequence of the video version of Weekly Manga Recap, which you can see on youtube.com slash weekly manga recap. And you can also check out the audio version on everywhere that audio podcasts can be listened to, generally speaking. Uh, we're on Spotify, and uh, we're on iTunes, and you can find everything on weeklymagarecap.podbean.com. We would also like to thank Steve Mann, our tile card artist. You can check out his work on his own Twitter, twitter.com slash Art, and pretty much anywhere that boobs are allowed to be drawn on the internet. Yes. And uh, recommendation, what, what spooky series... What we'll be uh, taking on next time, Gwen. Well, sorry, ne- Spook Master General. Yes, please. Pronouns are uh, boo, boo, boo girl, uh, ghoul. So I want to get that out there. Um, look, this is a very important thing. Uh, with horror, you get the scary, and sometimes you want a little comedy in there. So we're going to be taking a look at a horror comedy. And I think we might be interested because it's going to be written by somebody we really liked last year. Uh, this is the follow-up series from the author of Alice in Borderland called Ooh. Zom 100. I believe that's how it's translated here, Zombie 100. Uh, it's uh, basically a bucket list a guy tries to do after the zombie apocalypse starts. I'm going to cut it off at the heel, though, because I have read at least the first volume. Um, it is also depressing. It is a comedy, but it is dark. So I need to stress that. So like people don't go in just being like, I can't wait for yucks a minute as I read this. Uh, it's it's going to be bad. So good stuff. I can't imagine the author of Alice in Borderland drawing anything depressing. Now, so I will also point out it is not drawn by that author. It is a different artist. Uh, writing anything yes. depressing. There you go. There you go. That's it. That's going to do it. All right. Now, Nick, should also mm. know, like, getting towards the end of the year, do you think a special? Yeah. Do you think a special guest might show up this year? I mean, I guess. Remember possible. last year we had Code show up, which was pretty cool, and like the year before that, Thor showed up with mm-hmm. his with Samer. Cool. Yeah. I wonder yeah. if anyone's going to show up this year. I can only guess. Yeah, it's going to be pretty cool, unless. Okay. Stuff doesn't show up, in which case, excuse me, unless certain costume parts don't arrive in the mail. In which case, the Spook Master General might just be here every week. Bye, everybody. All right, let's go do it, everyone. Bye. <laughs>